Hi, I'm Dan Parent, and I work for Archie Comics and do Die Kitty Die, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> It does help when you keep your back nice and erect. A lot of things help when it's erect. Well, yeah. At my age, I'm thankful for the back being nice and straight. Mm. I don't got, there. don't have any of the gout or the arthritis and none of that stuff. I feel like a coworker has gout. I like it. It seems that it, it seems to flare up on days when we have to do something. It will require him to leave his desk. I'm like, that's that's convenient. That, that's got to be the oh, you know, I, I ate a lot of rich foods this weekend and and I drank extra. I was like, all right, then that's I, it, yeah. It's such a nasty disease, not the symptoms, but the name. Like, what do you have? Yeah. I, ha- I have gout. Like, that sounds horrible, doesn't it? You could say I have osteoporosis. You oh, really? <laughs> oh, I, well, I, I, you know, I feel bad for you, but I, I have gout, Ugh, dude. You got that gout shit. <laughs> it comes from eating too much meat. Does it really? Yeah. Yeah, it's like take it easy. Yeah, it all depends steak, on your dude. diet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have some chicken. Slap that dick out of your mouth. Don't eat that. <laughs> you can't get gout from dick. That oh, I know for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. Wait, 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 wait. There's a lot of misinformation getting spread around lately, and I think it's important that we say officially you cannot get the gout from eating dicks. <laughs> Not a whole bag, that's for sure. Hey, everybody. Off to a really wonderful start. It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 660. Yow. I'm Vince B, and we have a bunch of surprises for you tonight. Not a bunch, but I have David A. Price. Sexy man. Mm. And we have a guest tonight. David. Yeah. <laughs> well, not really a guest. We call him a guest just to be polite, but he's not a guest. He's one of us. David, who is it? You've heard him before, and he he loves us, and um, thankfully he was uh, available, and everyone's available. Like nobody right now, is yes. anywhere. <laughs> That's true. Yes, anybody. This is the perfect time for us to start lining up those those, those four star interviews yeah. that, that that we've been dying for. Um, and uh, and listen, we we always know it's going to be a good time, and we need. Uh, I, I think a lot of us need need some um, eh, cheering up is is a word, but it's just it's a good time. Dude makes us laugh, brings the funny, and it's Tony Fleece. Hey guys. Very excited to be here. And you for, uh, you forgot the most important thing. What, how good looking he is? He, well, that's two, number two. Oh. He draws like a son of a bitch. Oh, yes, I draw comic yeah. books. Yes, <laughs> I mean, he, he draws and writes comics. My Little Pony and some other things that he's got on deck. A, a PDF of which we saw today. Yeah. <laughs> Looking like, like uh, Stan Lee. Every, every episode is somebody's first. It's true. It's that's right. Well, that that would be actually the, the Jim Shooter method. Is that uh, right? Yes. Yeah. Every every comic book, is, which is why, and we've 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 definitely gone into detail on this. Um, that's why every comic book in the Jim Shooter era 
definitely have to look at, at Claremont's X-Men for this. That's why you always got to hear about Cyclops and the Ruby Quartz. And, and you got to yeah. find out that Wolverine is the bestie is of what he did. And, and so you, you were hit over the head with everybody's powers and, and their inner monologue. Because, yes, Jim Shooter wanted wanted every comic book to be accessible because every comic is someone's first. I, I can't believe I was just giving that to Stan all these years. Yeah, you shouldn't give anything to Stan. <laughs> Mistake number one. But So if you totaled all of the Claremont pages that weren't rehashing previous issues, maybe he wrote 200 pages of X-Men? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I just kidding. And uh, in case you're wondering, this episode is brought to you by our butamous patrons. Yes, our uh, they uh, fund this little joint. They're there for us. They throw uh, laughter and love our way, and we throw it right back at them. So if you would like to see what this whole Patreon thing is about, go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. It's a lot of fun. Tony, you play uh, uh, war games? Uh, no, I don't play any games or any sort of sports or contests or anything like that. <laughs> I don't believe in contests. I don't. I, I mean, I gamble, I guess. When I go to Las Vegas, I gamble. That's as close as I get to any sort of game. Mm, now, see, I won't gamble. Never. Yeah, I'm not a gambler. I'm very bad at it. Mm, I, I The reason why I say I don't gamble is because I I enjoy it very, very much. And I don't, I have the kind of personality where if, if I win once, it, it's, I'm done. I will just keep funneling money into that bottomless pit until I win again. So. Are you saying that, that you have an addictive and compulsive personality? That's crazy. Very much so. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. Hard to believe. Yeah. So I don't do it at all. Yeah. And it works. Smart. Yeah. My mother was uh, a fiend at the the one arm bandits and she'd go in with her big old thing of quarters and keep pumping them in at the end of the day her fingers were black she looked like she was going to play football she had the black under her eyes and shit yeah it was nasty so i think it's genetic well i used to smoke and i love that you could still smoke inside at those places uh and then also uh i just i you can drink for free when you're gambling or i guess it's not free because you're giving them all that money <laughs> uh, but I would just sit there and smoke and drink and then uh, be so wasted that I would just spend money, which is obviously the plan. Right, right. Uh, but they have stopped me before. Like, I, I remember I came running up to a roulette table with, like, $300 in cash at, like, 4 a.m. one time, and they were like, no, sir, <laughs> you got to go to bed now. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, let's not forget the lovely ladies, too, that bring you your drinks. Sure, yeah. And, and gentlemen, and gentlemen, yeah. I... To be fair, I don't go to the places fancy enough where they're super lovely. They're just, you know, they have very nice personalities. Oh, well. Yeah. But they still all have to, have to dress the same, which is sort of the great equalizer in Vegas. Like, they all have that same outfit, like fishnet stockings. Yep. You know, but the places I go to, cheaper roulette. Uh, and so they, you know, look, they don't look as fancy. Pass out top hats and it'll look like a Zatanna convention. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a theme for this here episode. Uh, planning. A little bit. Tiny little bit of planning. Uh, we are going to look at our favorite comic book related moments. And what does that mean to you, the listener? Well, it could mean the first time we picked up what would become our favorite comic. Or meeting 
our favorite artist for the first time or going to uh, a show and finding that book that you've been looking for forever um offhanded remarks overheard from a creator in the bathroom stuff like that the uh the, those little moments of joy that slam home and perpetuate our love of this medium uh we're trying to be give you a little bit of distraction a little bit of optimism and, and joy in these times of uh uncertainty so that's why we're doing this we're just gonna have fun no agenda, just flat out fun. And we thought, hey, we're having fun. Who's really good at fun? But Tony, let's get Tony. <laughs> I think uh, everyone who knows me would argue with you on that. I am really good at being in this room, uh, and I'm good at talking on the phone, I guess. Although, <laughs> if somebody calls me on the phone, I'm real mad about it. So I'm just good at talking yeah. about comics. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I like the text only. Oh, uh, I I hate texting. I d- Oh, I know you do. Yes, and and you shouldn't take it personally. <laughs> no one should ever take it personally. But I, I just, I look at that little screen and my giant thumbs, and I think I'm not going to be slamming these little letters. I'm not doing it. <laughs> do you? So do you talk on the phone, or you just don't communicate? Um, I communicate the most when I'm in front of my computer, and I can just type like a normal human being on this here keyboard, standard size yeah. keyboard, to. David and Jason. They're basically the only two people I communicate with. Right. Yeah. Well, I got text message on my computer as well, because the iPhone, you can just have the messaging app on your computer, too. Oh, there you go. Uh, so that works out sometimes. I do prefer to do that than the phone. I also have very fat thumbs. Yeah. Do we drink on this one, or do I have... Can I... How, how do we do it on this episode, on the theme episode? Well, um, well we've been pushing we the... Can. Yeah, we we can do it. We've been pushing the drink roll call to the side just because, you know, it, there was a, a – we just wanted to freshen it up a little bit, you know. You th- were you guys developing a problem or – Oh, no. <laughs> no, because I still drink during the show. So. Oh, I but do we're too. Just, we, we're, we're, we, 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 we are attempting um, – we – we're looking at ways to kind of streamline things to get from to get from hey this is who we are and hey we're going to talk about the topic at hand and and when you when you talk about where the grapes came from and the wine you're drinking or how many people it 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 took for you to receive this item that you're thanking them for it 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 can maybe draw some things out so we're moving the thank yous to the end right um the shout outs to the end so anybody who wants to just listen to the show itself if they didn't send us anything or they don't care if we received anything, they know when to press pause and skip to the next episode. Right. So, case, case in uh, point, when we alert creators, hey, we talked your book up on the last episode, I can only imagine them pressing play and having to listen to us, you know, <laughs> meander for the first half hour before we start talking about comics. So it, and, and there, there was some criticism, um, on the, uh, the uh, comments on what was it itunes or something where it's like yeah get to the point so we're going to get to the point and then shove all that good you know community stuff the fun stuff yeah the community stuff at the end we're still going to do it we couldn't forego that for any amount of money so we're just going to put it at the end interesting yeah well may i make a suggestion uh tell the guests about that uh, <laughs> before you start the episode. <laughs> well, see, th- that would require some kind of planning on our part. <laughs> well, you know, what, you know what, Tony, tell us what you're drinking, and I'll tell you what I'm drinking. <sighs> we'll do it real fast. I'm drinking the same thing I always have when I'm on the show. I have a curry coffee with uh, basil Hayden's in it. It's 
it's a just a caffeine and liquor at the same time. It's a delight. It is very good. I had a whole thing I was going to talk about how uh, Matthew Scudder from Lawrence Block Books drinks it. I was going to do the full Neesman. Uh, <laughs> uh, you didn't give him the full Neesman, did you? Oof. I'm well, on the rocks. You know, that bastard, uh, I sent him a happy birthday yesterday and he even thanked me. Oh, because it wasn't yesterday. He's probably pissed that you were a day late. But no, uh, no, it wasn't day late. I, it, my, the notification came up. It said, "Hey, here's whose birthday it is today." I do it every morning, and I sent him boom right off the bat. Happy birthday! Yeah, I, I texted him. I texted him. I got nothing back to. So, oh my goodness! See, text, that's that's un- unconscionable. If that's, it's a Facebook, though, you got to check and see if they did a big mass thank you to everybody because that's what I do too. I yeah, can, who has the time? Yeah, say thank you five hundred times. Well, it. I kind of scale it depending on who it is. If I get a, a, a thank you from, I should. I, I right. I thank Fred Hembeck. Hembeck is unbelievable with his birthday I wishes. Love his his wishes are so verbose. They're fantastic. And they're, they're yes, and they're handwritten. It's not like he has. Well, maybe he has a text file with like a hundred different birthday greetings in it. But whatever. It just seems like they were written on the fly directly to you. Like, I'll just say happy birthday, comma, the name. Yeah. You know. I think that's fun. But I'm no Hembeck. He's amazing. He is amazing. This is incredible. You guys are getting birthday wishes from Fred Hembeck. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Are you his his friend? No. Well, you should. I mean, I like his work, but I wouldn't presume. I don't go making friends, you know, (laughs) like that. (laughs) I don't cotton to making no friends. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like... My Facebook is weird because it's like half people who are like know me from comics and then half people who I know in real life. But there are not people that I just know from comics because I feel like that would just make it too crazy. Like it's just too much. Right. Well, you don't have a large group of uh, pony fans that follow you on Facebook? No, I'm saying I do. That's what the two are. Oh, okay. It's like pony fans and then my personal friends and stuff. But so then if I had people who I was a fan of also, it would just be too much. I do follow them on twitter though that's seems a little more manageable right yeah it makes sense to follow on twitter yeah. i mean on, on on facebook there are there like when i found out you know there were certain creators on facebook i uh and i mean to this day still i mean the, the other day uh, joe prado showed up so I, yeah i i friended him and, and there are a couple but earlier on with facebook um creators that i was a fan of when i was growing up like you know june brigman or 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 Louis Simons, just just creators who I was a fan of, and then I see others like um, like Don Perlin. I was like, holy shit! Like you know, I love Don Perlin's work, whether it was on GI Joe or Defenders, or so. So I I follow him, and, and we're friends on Facebook. And then some of his posts pop up in my feed, and I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. Abort. Abort. I'm like <laughs> should have checked um, this out first. Yeah. I should have. And that's and and so yes, he was pretty much he and I think um uh Jerry Aserno, who who was the anchor on Mark Bright for Power Man and Iron Fist and uh that's when and 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 Vince you, you know Mark Martin, but there are some some creators yeah. where it's like I I I just I think I can separate the art from the artist. Um, and I guess, you know, when I'm looking at their work on a page, it's one thing, but then when I'm, I'm 
reading their thoughts about things and and whether or not our our previous president was a Kenyan Muslim and and <laughs> who was trying to infiltrate. I'm like, are you serious, bro? Like you, I I had so much joy when I when I read your work when I was 12, and now now I get to find out kind of a fucking loon you are. So I was just I I've learned to. I've learned to scale back on the creators and I've yeah. always since then, since then I've always decided I've, I've always uh, looked at, at their, their page and, and to see just maybe where we may align. And if we don't, I keep moving. Right. If we do, I'll throw the request out there and see where it lands. But yeah, I just, it's pretty smart. It's a, it's a very, very uh, intelligent approach because um, I followed Doug Ten Naple for a long, long, mm. long time. Yes, yes. Be, a, be, I, I, I'll be totally honest. I really like the man's work. I think yes. he he's very, very good at what he does. Uh, from Earthworm Jim all the way up, like all uh, Earth Boy Jacobus, uh, the, the 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 graphic novels. Gear was like one of my favorite books ever. And then when he started with the when he started to reveal more and more of himself over time i can take the political yep i can't take the jesus i can't uh, no, so, you can't take the jesus i can't take the um the the the, the gay tra- rights trans- yes. yes yeah yes. yeah that too yes, yes, yes. but when but when you wrap it in a uh, a shell of religion no i'm done i'm done it this is the way X said it should be. You don't know that. You can't right. know that. Stop. Just, I love your work. Don't make me unlove you. Just and, and pictures. I don't believe in cancel culture. Like, if I like your work, I may not follow you, but I will, I'll stand up for your work as being solid stuff. But when you, I just, I, I mean, can't, I can't take it. On, it depends on the infraction. I, a, a guy I listen to calls it consequence culture, which I think is maybe a little more appropriate. Right, which is is just like it's not like somebody said something that you don't like, and so that they you know they can't work anymore. But it is like, all right, if this guy sucks, then you know it's hard for me to want to fucking you know, you know, Jim Lee's cool. It's <laughs> so like every time I've met Jim Lee, it's cool. So when fucking Batman comes out, I'm just like, oh, I have no problem getting this, or you know, yeah, you know that. Like on the one hand, there's that, but then on the other hand, like I'm. Almost positive Rob Liefeld's a conservative, but he also is a business person, and so he's not out there talking like a crazy person on the internet, you know? Like, all you have to do is look at the internet to see, like, oh, this is where the fans are. Oh, and this seems to rile people up. So, like, if I have a business that involves dealing with people, uh, maybe I shouldn't get too wild out here. Some people just can't help it, you know? Like, once social media happened for a certain generation, it's just like, I'm going to say whatever the fuck I want because now I can and people need to hear it. And then, you know, you see your uncle do it, but your uncle, my uncle works for UPS, so who cares? You know? (laughs) But, like, I draw my little pony, so if I get out there and go just like, you know, Joe Biden needs to be strung up, and you know, like, who's that helping? What are we talking about? Right. Ultimately, it hurts, you know, your bottom line. And you have to think about that, which I think Liefeld, he comes very close at times to, yeah. to Crazy Town, but again. But his Crazy Town is Liefeld brand Crazy Town. It's not like, oops, I fucked up and forgot that I was on the internet, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. But that's what Tenaples thing is, I think. And it's just like, and I, it comes from, there's this theory we have in the studio that everybody needs a studio. Like, you need people around you to check you. 
you know? Right. Just to say, like, hey, that, you know, that's not a great, <laughs> it's not going to be a great a good look. look. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, double blind is always a good idea. I mean, if yeah. you have somebody grabbing your arm saying, dude, don't hit that enter key, that's, because, you know. Because he's like a super religious person, which, you know, a good chunk of the country is. And, and like, part of that is they don't get down with gay shit. Like, they're just not into it. Uh, like as part of their religion, but which is just like, and and I don't believe that that's what they meant, you know. Like, and I don't believe that's what Jesus thought. If there's a Jesus who's magical, I don't believe that really. <laughs> but I think he was a person, and from what I could tell, he was cool with people. So the part of it where it's like just people are just mad at people all the time seems uh, like s- somewhere it got taken in the wrong direction. Right. But that's where they all were. And now, and then the internet happens, and that's where this dude still is, and and it's like nobody's going, nobody's like going over to tell him like, hey man, the internet's not going to be crazy, you know, like, and then even like imagine being told that, ah, it's just so complicated. <laughs> the, right. The, the part that the part that is where I I get hung up on it is listen, so so you don't you don't think two men should marry okay that's fine no one's asking you to marry another man but but to say shit like i don't believe in it Dude, you don't believe in santa claus gay marriage exists it's a real thing don't yeah. say i don't believe in it that's that that's just insulting and that's where i really get twisted over because it's like it's you, you're not you're deliberately saying things that you're getting people riled up and it's yeah. hurtful and it's just and and that's where i that's that's what I can't stand. Yeah. You want well, to say, like, listen, I don't, I don't, I don't cotton to that, or I don't, you know, I don't think we should do that. But, you know, so you have your beliefs, but just say that, you know, well, I don't, I, I don't think it's a thing. No, it really is a thing. I yeah. don't know what to tell you. But I'm a total hypocrite in this um, instance because you can be damn sure if Gary Panter came out and, and it was just flinging all kinds of different, I'd be like, uh, he must have just had a bad sandwich. We all all have that guy that's just like, uh, even if he was a monster, you know, like, although sometimes it ruins it for me 100%. Like, I love Woody Allen movies. I have a whole shelf of Woody Allen movies uh, that I just can't even touch, you know, like, I'm just like, because, like I said, like, depending on what the infraction is, depending on what, what the fuck they've gotten up to, it's just like, it's not that it makes the movie any different, but I can't look at it and not think about the thing. You know? Right. See, there's a fine line, and and I'll use Woody Allen as an example. When the character you portray, sure, was one of the nebbish, like Woody, and and the innocent, and and the the easily uh, damaged uh, as far as the psyche goes, just like this this bad luck schlep rock type character, and then you go do what he did. That's harder to take, like someone like Roman Polanski, right? Who made you know Fearless Vampire Killers, just the the sexy ass movies that portrayed yeah. him as not that. It, I guess it just depends on the character you you projected to me, right? I, don't know. Woody, I mean, maybe in the culture, Woody played the nebbish, but his characters in movies always fucked. Like they were like they were sexual dudes. Uh, and and in, Man- in the case of Manhattan and a bunch of other ones, like they always fucked underage people, you know. <laughs> so <it was> just like, <laughs> there you go. So he was finally we all caught up. For me, it was he was telegraphing. Uh, it was Harvey Weinstein. Finally, that was just oh, like I mean, wow. it's crazy that we've gotten to this point in the conversation about comics. But just like Feel for me. years, for years, I was able to go like that's probably not true about Woody because I love his movies so much. 
But then, if I'm going to believe the Harvey Weinstein shit, then I got to, you know, then I believe that, you know, I believe that Roman, uh, Ronan Farrow. And so then I got to believe him, you know? Yeah. And, yep. and people would tell me that I should have believed his sister from the beginning, but what am I supposed to do? I fucking love Manhattan. Yeah. I'm sorry. You want to hurt Jennifer Aniston? It's on, bitch. <laughs> she is she is an angel harvey said oh, yes. said that yeah jennifer should be killed yeah, yeah, fuck that. all right so uh, comics there did you have parting words for, yeah. for that that um oh only in the sense that um when we're when we're listening to sirius xm the comedy stations there are times where it's um there are times where i'll want to hear the rest of this Louis C.K. skit that I know, but yeah. other than that, so so yeah, so there are, but it's like, dude, that was that was that was kind of a pervy skeevy thing you did, but the um, but speaking of Jennifer Aniston, Vince, I, I I didn't think it was really possible. I mean, I I've seen her in movies, and 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 she's a she's an actress, so it's 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 a profession. But if you ever want to watch something where you really dislike jennifer aniston's character that she's playing it's on um it's the morning show on uh on apple tv she is such a a spiteful self-centered um angel i wish i could say angel but what's great is that she the person she's angry at on, on the show for the most part is reese witherspoon who of course played her sister on the series but uh yeah she i could not believe like i'm like this is rachel and it's like this is, I mean, she's bringing it, and and I don't like her, and and that's the point. I was like, that good for her. I mean, the fact that you could turn it like that, but it was just, it was nice to see her in that light. Maybe Harvey Weinstein had just been watching that show from his hospital bed. Yeah, and had a bad sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to get into it. The uh, yes, our beloved memories related to this this uh industry and this art form that we love so much those things that just lit us up and fueled decades of, of fandom and collecting and creating in tony's case um what did it for us tony i think you should go first all right so i've sort of made like a of course i made a list of like uh, sort of like firsts I guess okay. that'll make it easier for me more than favorites. Cause I'm like, my memory is spotty, but I can definitely think back to like the firsts and what made those special and, and like, you know, what I liked about them. So my first comic, I sort of split into three, sp- like three first comics. Cause there's like the first one, uh, that I ever got. And then there's the first one that like lit a fire under me. Like, uh, like, oh, man, this is a thing. And then there's the first one when I bought it at a comic store and was like, oh, I'm going to come back here every week. And that, you know, and then just keep coming back every week for, you know, whatever, 35 years. Uh, so the first comic I ever got uh, that I can remember was uh, around Batman 89. Uh, so I would have been 10 years old. Um, and I, we had a my parents had a friend, a lady named Donna who was, you know, like everybody's parents, if they're not the nerds in their group, they have a friend who's nerds, and she was like the nerd lady. Like, I assume we are for other people. She was this for my folks. 
Uh, and so she knew about like, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien and Star Wars and Star Trek and stuff. And she got really into that stuff. And this was before the monoculture, right? So it was like not everybody was all into that stuff. There wasn't movies. You had to like like to read stuff to be into that stuff. Uh, and so when 89 – first of all, when Star Wars came on TV, uh, she saw like – she noticed that it was made me spark and was like, oh, this kid – you know, like I can hang with this kid, and so she would sort of, you know, like get me into Star Wars. Uh, and then when Batman was coming out, I got very excited about that because you just see the commercials, you know, like and it was everywhere. And I had, I had watched the TV show, and so I was like, oh man, Batman! And she was like, you know, there's comic books, and sh- and so uh, she got me at like a B Dalton, uh, a Batman, a Detective Comics, and it was a Norm Brayfogel cover. I assume he did the insides too. Uh, and it's this one. It was when they had that cool ass Lamborghini looking Batmobile. Uh, I don't even remember the number. I'll look it up later. But uh, it was a Norm Brayfogle Detective Comics. And it, he just looked like a monster in it, you know? Like, And that's sort of how Batman was going to look in the movie, you know, a couple of weeks later, or a month later, or whatever. It's like he's so scary in that first Batman when you're a kid. Uh, and so it was just. Like so different from what I knew Batman to be, you know. Like I knew Super Friends and I knew TV, and so that sort of like gave me an idea, a hint that there was going to be more. You know, like if you want the real, it's in these comic books, right? Like, right. All this stuff on TV and in movies is sort of like them trying to adapt this. Like I, I feel like very early on I understood, and sort of the, the way I still believe, you know, like comics are every, or superheroes are everywhere, and comic book uh, content is everywhere. But I, I always believe like well the thing that matters is the comic and all this other stuff is fine but like you know like if you want the truth about it it's the comic uh so so that was that but i didn't have a car and my parents weren't going to take me out to buy comics because i uh, i got a bunch of brothers and sisters so we didn't generally get uh our own stuff you know like we we got nintendo when everybody else was getting super nintendo Right, like that's that's how I explain it. Like we sort of just sort of had what we need. We weren't like broke, but my parents weren't going to take you know let me go buy comics every week because they didn't have dough like that. So uh, I I then didn't get into comics into comics until I turned thirteen, and we had moved to Colorado twelve or thirteen, maybe it was twelve. But we moved to Colorado and. Uh, Image Comics had just happened, and uh, I had uh, 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 Death of Superman was happening. So I and you were thirteen at this time. How old am I? Forty. Death of Superman is nineteen ninety one. Sounds right. Nineteen ninety. I don't know. I'm always the the round number of what year it is. So I'm forty this year. I was you know. 30 in 2010, etc. Okay. Uh, yeah, so you guys are a little older than me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I went to the comic store and I got uh, the Death of Superman stuff and that was fine. Uh, but also around that same time, uh, Jim Lee X-Men had just started coming out. And I got Jim Lee X-Men number three. And that was the one that I was like, oh, I have to come back here all the time to get more of this. That was the last Chris Claremont issue that he ever wrote. 
before he came back and did his own, you know, like the what if stuff that he did later. Right. Uh, but so I was just like, this is amazing. I want more like this. And then immediately it wasn't the same as that anymore after, <laughs> after I read that, but I kept going back. Um, and then, uh, I didn't know to look for image comics when they happened. Uh, I would just go get X-Men and then X-Force and basically just those two. Uh, but then, then when I was 13, that was when my buddy came and brought me image comics at a birthday party. My friend Chris Ryder, uh, he brought me Youngblood Strike File number two, and it fucking exploded my whole mind. It was Rob Liefeld on one side, who I knew from X-Force, uh, and then on the other side was Jay Lee, who I'd never seen anything like that before. Yep. And uh, and that was it. Like then I've been to a comic store every week since then. Nice. Uh, except for like a couple of months after after high school when I got to college, so I didn't yeah. find one. The Jay Lee side was Chapel, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a yeah. fun little story. One of my favorite pages of all time is from that issue, probably because it was so formative. But it's just like Chapel in bed with this lady, and there's like uh, candles all over the place, and then you cut up to the skylight, and there's these you know dudes with guns about to break in. But it's just sort of like this impending shit's about to go down yeah. in more ways than one and uh, it's uh, super good and if, if you're 13 years old it's like nothing has ever been cooler than that you know just this black dude with a skull face and he's in bed with this lady and it's, then he's just about to murder the fuck out of people Tony <laughs> reenacted that at his honeymoon <laughs> <laughs> that's right me and Shannon put candles all over oh, that's and right. put a skull face on <laughs> we had people break through a skylight that's right See, I'm not much older. Than, well, I'm 14 years older than you. Yeah. And on paper, that's not a whole lot. But in comic book terms, like when you were looking, when you were reading The Death of Superman, I was in my 20s. Right. Yeah, 20. And also, you guys both started reading when you were younger than me, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Reading comics. So so not only did I show up later, but I started reading later in my own life, too. So. Yeah. Is that sort of what you wanted? Like, that's exactly that, what I wanted. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, Dad, you want me to do one? Absolutely. Uh, I think that everybody that has listened to this um, is aware that I was a grit salesman. Mm-hmm. Yep, I sold the grit. Most, mostly to family and friends of family. They're the only ones who would really want it um, for the recipes, or so I was told. Right? Uh-huh. So... Uh, every, um, I think grit is a monthly or a biweekly. I don't even know the frequency now, but whenever I would get the bundle, um, on my, they would mail them to me. Uh, I, I put them in the bag and I would go on my little grit route and it was a two mile, at least two miles one way. And I would stop periodically, sell the grit, keep going. You know, I made five cents a copy and I would put the five cents in one pocket or the profit in one pocket and the payment for the grit in the other pocket. So as I was selling them, the, the profit pocket would be starting to get a little jingly, right? And at the end of the route, there was a newsstand. And I would take all my grit money and buy comics, right? And uh, the name of the newsstand uh, was King Joe's. And it was, I say newsstand, but it was far more than a newsstand. Uh, it was in the days where 
the, the you know you had those little stores that sold everything and anything they had a little counter with all the cigars on it next to that was a matchbox stand with brand new matchboxes greeting cards next to that you know there was an aisle of toys um the newsstand part was on the right then they had some perishables like bread and buns and stuff your tasty cakes it, it, just a weird conglomeration of like anything batteries it, it, you know, it was a convenience store before such things existed, right? And uh, the the comic part was to the right. He had a giant rack of uh, a giant spinner rack for the comics. And then for the magazines, against the wall, he had, you know, your regular tiered magazine system, which ran all the way to the length of the wall. And I can remember it like it was yesterday. The very first magazines on the rack were Eerie, Creepy, Starlog. Um, well, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. No Starlog at that point. But um, he had the Treasury Editions. He would put uh, flat on this one little level at the bottom because he couldn't put the Treasury Editions on the magazine rack because they wouldn't fit. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, Lampoon, Heavy Metal. Uh, and so on. Then you had those really lurid detective magazines with women look, that looked like they got beat up on the cover every month, you know. Uh, and they were, there was like a, a heavy bondage theme to them. And then so on and so forth. And then you had like the ladies' magazines and all that other stuff. So the very first stop was the horror magazines. Famous Monsters was always there. And I would I would look at my meager take, which was probably uh, $3 or less. So I would always buy two magazines and the rest I would spend on comics, which is very telling. I would, I would rather spend a dollar on a Warren magazine or, um, well, again, I'm getting ahead of myself, on a Warren magazine or, a, at the time, the Marvel magazines, Monsters Unleashed, you know, Tales of the Zombie. I would rather buy the black and white larger ones than I would the color ones. I've always been that way. I don't know why, but that's the way it it happened, right? So um, I I was going to this uh, newsstand for years and years and years and years. But um, there was one newsstand, like they were on the same street too, the main street in this small town, Pennsylvania. Um, the King Joe's was on the right-hand side. But if you went up another couple blocks... There was another newsstand that my dad just never went to, and I I didn't have any uh, customers up that way, so I I never went to it either. But um, so one day in it must have been 1974 because this is when the this series was on TV. I wanted a Planet of the Apes shirt, like extremely bad. I had to have a Planet of the Apes shirt because it was on TV and all the kids loved it, and I needed a shirt. And there was an again this cut rate store that i don't know where they got their things from but it was a little shady if you know what i'm saying and and they would have jeans and t-shirts and magazines again a whole bunch of different unrelated shit in one business and you had to go up the stairs and so my father took me to get a planet of the apes shirt and they had one but it was a girl's planet of the apes shirt right so while we're doing this shit i notice on this little magazine rack i was like what the hell is this i went over and they had skywald magazines psycho nightmare 
um, uh, Scream, right? Hellrider. They had a shit ton of them. And I'm thinking, I looked at the dates. And I was like, wait a minute. These aren't all current. They're, 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 they go back years. And I, I'm looking at, and, and I'm going through these things and the covers ripped my freaking throat out. I was like, whoa, these are much more disgusting than, than eerie and creepy. I need to have these. And the, I guess he had the, the owner had, had bought a bunch of books from whoever and just put them all out. Right, nothing current because he he didn't get um, newsstand delivery. He had a, a little magazine rack, but he wasn't a newsstand, so he wasn't part of the distribution route. He just yeah. put some magazines out, right? And he wanted a quarter a piece for him, a quarter a piece. And I and I said to my dad, "I, I need I need, you got to give me some money." My dad's like, "Here's a dollar." I said, "A dollar? That's only going to get me four. <laughs> I need them all. You don't understand this. I must have all of these magazines. And so he's like, D- buddy, I'll give you a dollar. Take it or leave it. <laughs> so I got, I was smart. I got Psycho number one, Scream number one. I got all the number ones that he had. And that one instance of me seeing all of, because Skywald folded in... I'm thinking 74. I don't think they went too far into 75. So this was like very late in the game for Skywald. So he, this, the guy must have had like most, if not all, of everything they published. They even had the annuals. Like I was freaking out. I had never seen these before. The uh, King Joe didn't get them. So it was like a, a this revelation to me. This, have you ever seen the cover of Psycho Number One? There's a, a a a balding businessman type dude on the front, and half his face is being eaten away. You can see into his eye socket. He's dissolving on the cover. I had to have it, right? So I bought four of them, and since that day in 1974, I had whenever I see a Skywald magazine, I have all of the runs of all the magazines. Whenever I see a Skywald magazine, I buy it. I make some kind of excuse like, oh, this is in better condition than the one I have. Bullshit. I, 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 if I can find them for a good price, I just buy them. It's ridiculous. Just from that one day in 1974, searching for a Planet of the Apes shirt, seeing everything they've done, it was magic. Like, how many times does that happen to you in your life? It's rare, right? Boom. Yeah. It, it made me a, an obsessive <laughs> collector for for my life yep i'm like that with uh arthur adams comics yeah and joe and joe Matarera comics like i have them all uh but if i see them in like a dollar box or a quarter box i grab them up that there's no quarter boxes anymore if i see them in a dollar box or like a 50 cent box yeah you're right there's box. well there was some there, there's quarter boxes at conventions on a sunday yeah they don't start off as quarter boxes but yeah they you're don't, right. they don't do my shops anymore but um, what was I going to say? Sorry. No, I, I, I just, I totally blanked. Um, Ever since that day, you've been a compulsive collector. Yes, I, I lost it. It's gone. But it's no big deal because it was, it was related to that. But um, yeah, it's amazing the things that that resonate with us, like the the grot- we, I, I'm like I'm preaching to the choir here. The grotesque turns my head every time. And uh, then I discovered eerie publications, which were even more disturbing 
than Skywall. The the newsstand down below didn't get the eerie publications either. And it just snowballed. Like I love the horror magazines. Like, you love horror everything. I this is true. I never hear because Wood also goes in on horror. Like him and the boys like to go see all that stuff, but I never hear you guys go too hard on that. Do you talk about it beforehand in the Patreon exclusive? Uh, do you just talk about comics? Is he just your comic friend? No, I just I'm I'm not a a huge fan of contemporary horror films. Your stuff, yeah. What does it ever break through? Is like anything ever? Oh sure, Mandy. Like there, there some things will bubble to the surface. The Void was great. Mandy was awesome. Um. You know, I'm really looking forward to the color out of space, Nicolas Cage. But yeah. like these things like The Conjuring and, and Annabelle, like that's bullshit. I don't watch any of that crap. My best friend wrote Annabelle. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. He cries himself to sleep on his huge dollar filled pillows. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. Uh, there's something that like Midsummer was really good. Um, yeah, the Witch was fun. But it's few and far between. Like, I'll find one every... There's at least one every year that really lights a... You know, gets me going. But for the most part, uh, the 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 this thing that they call horror these days just does nothing for me. Uh, what about uh, Hereditary? I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was... It, I thought it was better than most. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one quite a bit. Yeah. Although I think I like Midsummer more. Did you now? Does your wife give a shit about horror? No, she doesn't watch them. Oh, nobody, Shannon, nobody in your family. Mm-mm, nobody watches oh, them sucks. with me. Yeah, Sh- Shannon loves horror too, so she'll sit around and just watch. Like we got Shutter, and so she'll just sit around and watch Shutter or watch like the horror movies on Netflix, like while she's working. Uh, but then Midsummer, she hadn't seen it, and that's a good one to watch with your significant other because it's just like a real conversation starter. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just like who like how quick does she figure out that guy sucks how quick do you figure out who do you identify with you know yeah and it's so long I, it yeah. doesn't it doesn't seem like it when you're in the middle of it but it's like two and a half hours long yeah yeah it's a stretch but um let's let's hear from dap yes let's hear about your aunt <sighs> She'll come up, but she's not. She, she's not what's <laughs> kicking it off. But I do like like you, Tony. When you when you see things that um, doesn't matter how many you already have in, at 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 home, you still grab them up. I'm like that with the milestone books. I'm like that with Eman. Um, I'm like that with anything Grendel. But um, I think, yeah. Well, one of my absolute favorites, and this is this has been written about on the website. It's been discussed um, on this show on bullpen bulletins, but. One of my absolute favorite memories is um, my brother and I would spend summers uh, in Massachusetts at my maternal grandparents' place. And um, there was one time where we were in our move from Arizona to New York when my father came home to the East coast to, to look for work. My brother and I stayed with my grandparents for, for a school year. So, um, there's Giddy. I, I love my grandparents dearly. Um, miss them. And whenever they were there, they were the grandparents that spoiled us. My, my, my father's parents, uh, they were much more reserved. They were a lot more conservative. They, they were the kind where, you know, well, if you do good in school, 
you get this. My grandparents were like, well, you woke up. Here's a, another slice of cake. And it's like, so it's just, it's, I, I, I would go with my grandfather to the newsstand so they could play the numbers. And so they could, um, and it was the weirdest thing. Cause for whatever reason in my head, when I see, you know, people, um, playing the lottery or anything like that, it's, it's the legit, uh, over the counter. These are, the numbers, this is the card the machine spits out for whatever reason. I didn't, I, I had no idea that, that, that this was a thing, but the numbers my grandfather played were like the last three numbers of the racing receipts that day. And that was the number at the back of the newspaper. And it's like, so if that number came out, then, you know, then, then, then you won whatever was in the pot. And I was like, that's, that's not lotto, but okay, that's cool. But he would, he would do that. And, and I would go to the spinner rack. And, um, this was, this is about, 82 and um the I, I i saw a cover which just for whatever reason it it just spoke to me and it was the second issue of marvel's adaptation of blade runner and and it's a beautiful um Brent Anderson cover where where Deckard is is reaching up from the ledge and the rain's coming down, and um, it's the weirdest thing that the second issue kicks off um, shortly after the interaction between Deckard and um, and and the replicant who's running in the movie. She's running through the streets in her see through raincoat, but not. Not in this Marvel comic, um, and I just—I must have read that. I never I hadn't seen the movie at this point because I was a lot younger, and I had no idea what happened in the first issue. But I read the hell out of this second issue. That that newsstand, even years later, when my grandfather stopped going there for the newspaper, whenever my brother and I would go into town, I always drove down that street so I could see what shape what 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 may be going on in that storefront but um i remember there were times where i had my own few quarters that i could go buy stuff and then there were times where where, where my grandfather would would um buy me things but th- this was also where i bought um the new Teen Titans, uh, I want to say 30, 36 is in my head, but I want to say 32, where it's um, it's the Perez cover with Deathstroke in the background, and he's shooting a sheet with the, the, the team. Um, and it took me years to realize that as he's as shooting bullets through this, this sheet of the team, that no bullets are hitting Terra. And... Um, and it was just it was it was hella symbolic later on, but um, I, I bought a few issues, few consecutive issues of the New Teen Titans from this place. Um, but that's that's kind of where I became. I, I knew I could go to a place and get um, and get comics without having to rely on on someone dropping off a bunch to me. But that's um, and and I still. 
think about I, I still if I go to a newsstand, if I go to some place that just sells magazines or newspapers, even in the supermarket now, when I, if I'm walking down that aisle with all the magazines, they used to have a spinner rack, but I'll still look at the shelf to see what they because for whatever reason, still to this day, I still think of if I see newspapers or magazines, then chances are I'm going to see comic books. It's just it's it's. It's muscle memory. It's just I don't. I'm not going to find comic books there generally. You're not going to find too many comic books at at, at Hudson News and, and and Grand Central or at at the airport. But um, I still look around for them. But uh, and it wasn't until we moved to New York where I actually saw an honest to God direct market comic shop, and that's that's a whole different story. But yeah, it's it's uh, absolutely my. And there's so many things to think about fondly and 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 smile when i have memories of, of my grandparents but but getting up early on a sunday because usually because my grandfather would go to church grandmother didn't, didn't care for it, my grandfather would go to church saturday evenings so this way sundays we'd get up um sometimes go to dunkin donuts bring home donuts for everybody and and uh stop so you could get the newspaper and that's when i would hit the uh Hit the spinner rack and just see. And even if we went like two days in a row, I'd still have to look to see if something new came in. And nothing did, but I still oh, yeah. had to, still had to spin that thing around. Yeah, but it was a much different atmosphere at the newsstands. But I have to, I, I liked it better, not knowing what was going to come out when. Yeah, for yeah. there was a window there, and then you had Amazing Heroes. Usually that, about two weeks, but then, but then you had, but. And and then it blew my mind because then when I did go to the direct market, I'd go home and and I'd look at the comics from Dragons Den, and I'd look at the barcode and it's like, well, there's Spider Man's head there, but on this comic book I bought, there's an actual like UPC barcode. And I'd look at the top and it's like, and it would say, you know, Marvel Comics Group would be different, and and the 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 corner box is just it's like okay well there's this diamond because it's a moon knight that's the wreck mark i'm and i'm just i'm i'm inspecting i'm comparing what the difference is between and i that that was a whole different rabbit hole and it's like well why is this different so is it the same like if i buy it from the direct market is that um if i'm going through the overstreet guide like what do i what am i looking for like, is there going to be a different price because i bought this from a newsstand and it's got the barcode or it like like as if that was a lesser copy, and and then I'm going to compare it to what came in at the comic because that those came in a couple weeks earlier at the comic shop, so those are actual. And I was just I it it took a minute, but eventually it all just came down to me eventually just realizing that it it's 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 the content that matters. I don't care how it gets to you, I just want to be able to read it. But you're right, Vince. It, it's it's a whole different for me because that it hits. Uh, for, there's a couple of different senses a newsstand hits for me than than just going into a comic shop. Yeah. Once you realized that comics were sequentially numbered, it, it takes a while when you first, well, back in the day, it took a while when you saw all these different titles from all these these two publishers and then maybe Atlas and, you know, the, the littler guys, if you were lucky. And you pick up an issue of Batman, it's like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to take it home and read it. It's like, I like that. Next time I'm at the newsstand, I'm going to get Batman again. And you, you find another Batman and bring it home. And you look at it and you start reading it. It's like, wait a minute. What? This is not the continuation of the thing I read. And you look at the cover and it's a different number. It's like, oh, and then that shock goes through you. Like, how am I going to find that <laughs> oh, one I missed? <laughs> yeah. Because, again, there were no comic shops. 
So you either had to look at the in in the Marvel books, all those guys that send twenty five cents for Illustrated catalog, you know, and you would either have to get it from a back issue dealer through the comics, or you just didn't get it, you know. And I, I thought it was cool that there was something about the uncertainty, the the, the mystery of going and not knowing what you're going to encounter, that was awesome. You never knew what the next creepy cover was going to be you never um the the latest x-men cover like what there was no promotions it was awesome now everything's cross-promoted and marketed you know down your throat we get previews catalogs three months in advance it's uh, it's it is the what it is and i realize that a lot of this may come off as you know get off my lawn but i enjoyed it better when there was no advance warning what was going to come outside of Stan's little column. You know, there have been times where recently where I'll you'll I'll get busy enough or somehow I'll miss it and I and I just won't know when new stuff is coming out. And so you still get a, like a similar discovery like like you would in the newsstand days. But now there's so much that what happens more often is that you just miss it. Right. And so then like. Uh, like there were some things that came out during that time where I just was too busy to see what was coming that was just like, oh, this is a nice surprise. And then some stuff I would find out, you know, like years later, months later, just like, oh, I didn't even know that happened. Like now I have to, you know, dig back and and find that whole thing. Yeah. I mean, luckily, luckily and sort of like unluckily, that part of it is much easier now. Like it's anything I want to find, I can find it. You know, I can order it off the internet or I can get it off Comixology. Like that part of it's got much easier, but I think not having the search uh, makes it makes you appreciate it a little bit less. True. As well, true. The best thing there is an equivalent to the old days today when someone puts a book under my nose and I'll be like, "Where the hell did you get this?" From a yeah. somebody I've never heard of before. I've never seen their work. They're they're an independent publisher making them by hand, and someone shoves it under my nose, and I'm like, "Oh my god." Again, now I need all of these. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why people like your show and shows like it is because, like, it's the discovery of this thing that you get to be so personal and intimate with that, you know, like, oh, I've discovered X-Men. Now I'm going to know everything about X-Men and, and, like, live with these people for my whole life, you know, or, you know, at the time, you don't know it's going to be your whole life, but that's what it turns out to be, you know? And, yeah. and and then from once you got that hit, then you're just like, what's the next thing? What you know? What else is out there that I'm going to discover that I'm going to get to fall in love with? I tried to pick up girls with X Men. How'd that go? It, not very well. No, <laughs> no. Hey, why don't you come over? We'll look through my X Men comics. Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, you could have got my girl with that line. She loved X Men. <sighs> she, she loved Bishop. She loved Kate. She likes time traveling X Men. Cable. Oh, she likes cable. Yeah. Oh, she's a doll. She's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you couldn't have. You would have been like forty years old, and she was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Just call me Woody. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, I mean, what else do we have? There's got to be more. I got a zillion of them. Yeah. Do you want me to go again? Sure. Uh, first. First time I went to a convention, and then uh, like the yeah, let's do the first time. The first time I ever went to a convention, it was at the Colorado Springs Air Force Academy uh, 
and Stan Lee was there. And I don't know who else was there because it was a small-ass show, so it could have been they just brought in Stan Lee and that was enough, and then it was just a bunch of dealers. Uh, but like I said, I had a bunch of brothers and sisters, so my parents were always looking for something to do with us. You know, We'd all have activities that we were in and stuff. But they sort of had to just keep us all occupied. And I was older than my brothers and sisters by four years. So I, I would just – mainly they would find stuff for me to do on my own. Uh, and this thing, my mom just drove me out to this thing. I don't recall if she gave me any money. Uh, I don't think too much. But I knew Stan Lee was going to be there. And I was probably, again, like 13, 13-ish years old. Young teen. Definitely not 15. So 13 or 14. And uh, <laughs> and I knew Stan Lee was coming, but I was still dumb enough to not know which comic books to get Stan Lee to sign. You know, like, I mean, no offense to anyone listening, but, you know, like, you see people with signed Stan Lee comics that are just like, it just says Stan Lee Presents somewhere on them. And you're just like, this will do. That was me. So I had him <laughs> sign, like, hologram-ass X-Men comics and... You know, just whatever I thought was the coolest thing in the world that had his name on it, I had him sign those. So I got, like, uh, X-Men 300 signed by him with the John Romita Jr. hologram cover uh, and a couple other things. And everywhere, free, of course, because it was before they started charging for autographs. Uh, but everywhere in there, I could have just bought reader copies of, like, you know, This Man, This Monster or, like, you know, Silver Surfers. Or just like legit Stanley stuff you'd want him to sign, but I didn't know any better. Uh, and I was there by myself. So even if, like, not that my parents would have been able to figure out that I should have got something cooler signed, but, you know, it wasn't like there was an older kid there with me that was like, listen up, dummy. <laughs> you should, <laughs> should get this other stuff signed. Uh, but I do remember just sort of being like left there on my own, and I must have had some money, unless I. It didn't matter when I was a kid. I would shop with no money and just look at stuff for hours and hours and hours on end, dig through boxes. But I, my mom left me there for all day long. Uh, and so I just dug through every box in the place. And, like, you know, Stan Lee was there signing stuff the whole time. And so I got my stuff signed by him. And then I would just, you know, see him there. You know, like, I would, all day long, I'd just be like, there's that fucking guy from Spider-Man cartoon. He's <laughs> <laughs> still here. That fucking guy. <laughs> my first comic convention i do remember feeling you know you get that feeling where you're like you can tell that your uh home seems a little too cheesy but where you can you can tell you're around your people you know right uh-huh. that you get at a comic convention where you're just like these people know you know like it's so weird now because everybody knows everything about comics now you know like everybody knows who fucking azazel is you know, two episodes in a row. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jason yeah. mentioned him last time. Him <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just like it used to be. You know, you would be in a comic convention and you'd just be like, "Holy crap, man! Everybody here knows, you know, who Kitty Pride is." And now it's just like, "Yeah, everybody on Earth does too." So don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> you ain't special. Yeah. Well, I guess Kitty Pride might still be a little bit out there because she hasn't been. Like, she was Juno in that one movie, but it's not yeah. like she had a breakout, you know. It wasn't like she was the star of the movie. Right. I know a little girl that can walk through walls. 
I have. I was going to do this, but my first comic convention wasn't really a comic convention per se, but it was comic related. Uh, it'll make sense once I I tell you. Um, there was a car show on a Saturday afternoon at the Kingston Armory. Now Kingston's about. It's a good trek from here. It's it's at least half hour, forty five minutes, right? Uh, depending on how the person drives, and I was. I think I was 10 or 11 and me and my buddy Joe, we got to get to this, this car show. And so he begged his father to take us. And I mean, I thought that was a a nice thing to do to take your son and his friend, you know, 30 minutes one way, drop them off for the afternoon, then go back down later on when we called from a payphone, dad, pick us up. So we're at this, this car show and there was a table with comics on it. Now, why would there be ta- a, a table with comics at a car show? Well, one of the guests of honor was sitting next to the Batmobile, Bruce Ward. Yeah. Burt Ward. Or Burt, Burt Ward. I have to yeah. say, I'm thinking Bruce. Yeah. Burt Ward. And he was signing 8 by 10 glossies of him climbing up the wall. You know, the the, yeah. the, the typical Batman, I'm climbing up the wall thing. And, you know, I, I met Robin and there was a table full of comics that I had no interest in because at the time wasn't a DC dude and they were mostly DC. So uh, that was my first exposure to an, a, an event that had comics at it. But my, my first comic show proper was a revelation and Heroes is great. But it can never match this show. New York City at the Penta Hotel. I talk about it all the time. I think it was a creation convention. Right? Where it was comics and um, prose authors. And just for the, the first convention, first day, I met Bernie Wrightson, Clive Barker, um, John Byrne. Walt Simonson, like I can go down the list. There, it, it was, it was uh, Eastman and Laird. Uh, there was tons of people there. You couldn't spit without hitting somebody, a legend in in that that have grown into legends or were legends then. And uh, I'm I'm going around a corner, and who's sitting on a box at the end of a an aisle? But Johnny Ramone with a leather jacket. And and I was like, "Hey man, I love your stuff." And he's like, "You know, because it's Johnny Ramone. He didn't. He wasn't too chatty, but crazy. Just a, a table full of Billiken vinyl models next to this guy selling vintage Diaclone robots. And then Wait, the next table. Was Johnny Ramone just shopping there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Right? He wasn't a guest that's or nice. anything. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, down the line, you had Linnea Quigley. You know, like just weird shit all thrown into one room. All these people. And I was like this. And at the time, my wife wasn't my wife. She was my girlfriend. And uh, she was tagging along with me. Didn't say a word the whole time. So I was thinking, all right, you you have potential. You know, she she was into it. It was just one of those experiences. Like, holy shit. Like you said, I'm home. This is my people. Yeah. These, these are... You know, and to see 
um, I, I don't love him, but like the, here's Mike Grell sitting here. Jim Starlin's over here. It was insane. It was everybody that I read about in the comics, like almost everybody, because Jack wasn't there, in one room. It was, my mind was blown. So like, I've been a huge fan of conventions ever since, but that's the pinnacle. Like there hasn't been a convention since that ever measured up to those New York City Penta, uh, even the, like the, the horror ones were amazing. It, it's of its time, right? The, it was a different approach back then too, than, than it is now. It, it, it was media, but it wasn't, you know, um, wrestlers and stuff. It was media that was at least tangentially related to comics in some way, like Scream Queens or horror movie actors or, um, you know, this guy was in an episode of um, The Hulk with Lou Ferrigno. You know what I mean? Like just weird shit, but at least it was connected somehow. Now, you know, you get the guy that was standing behind the curtain in, in uh, Three Men and a Baby. You know, that little kid all grown up. You know, I'm not a ghost. I'm real. I'd love but, to meet that kid. Yeah. Fun, fun I, times. They, they still do have that sort of vibe. I mean, the difference is it won't have all of your favorite creators at the place. That's sort of like the the perfect scenario. But the smaller the show gets, you know, like I do a lot of conventions and, and the smaller ones, you know, like I did one in Pasadena uh, a couple of months ago, back before, back when there were still conventions. And, uh, it was it was still that sort of vibe, you know, like there were there was like maybe one all timer, you know, like one great person there. But then there's just sort of like that same, you know, horror movie people and the the vendors were all like spe- pretty specifically comics and, and nerd culture. You know, there's always still, you know, somebody with a million pops. But you guys like those fucking things anyway. Uh, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but it does still have that old like what I remember conventions being like when I first started going to them, it's these smaller ones still sort of feel like that. And I feel like, you know, nobody ever goes like, I never see somebody at one of those things like, Oh, where are you here from? And they're like, Oh, we flew in from Tallahassee or something, you know, like they're just from the town that we're in. But I feel like if people still wanted to get that feeling, like go to the one local ones, like they're great. I always have a good time at them. And, and maybe mine are a little bit different because I'm in California. And so they do have, you know, famous people and they do have, you know, a lot of comic people live out here too. So it's not hard to get, you know, some hitters. Right. Right. And, uh, I won't take much longer, but there Sorry. was, there was in, in the one corner, there was a feeding frenzy in the dealer's room. Lots of people just going bananas. And I, I was like, okay, I got to check this out. Long box after long box of Marvel comics, but they were inked. You know, when the newsstand send them, sends them back, instead of ripping the cover, they would ink them. Yeah. They would just mark the the uh, page ends of them with this, I don't know what, what they used, but just to designate that these were going back to the publisher or they were being pulped or whatever they did at newsstands when they didn't sell something. Just boxes upon boxes of Marvel comics, all inked. And we're talking... Like Amazing Spider-Man from maybe like 100 to to 150. Some before. There was maybe from 90 up, let's just say. 90 to like 150. Fantastic Four around the same period. Um, Avengers. Like it just seems like 
this guy got a good deal on a bunch of inked comics and he was selling them for a dollar a piece. So, so my Amazing Spider-Man 100 is inked and I don't give a shit, right? It's, you know, some of the ink bled a little bit on the pages when you open up the book, but I don't care. I got Amazing Spider-Man 100 for a dollar, <laughs> right? And Fantastic, Fantastic Four around that time, I filled huge holes in my run. It was a bitch carrying them all around. You know, but so what? I mean, I have them to this day, and there's there's no way I'm ever going to get rid of those books. That's prime time Marvel. Yeah, but Buck, you still have that have that moment at conventions where you see something you know you're going to have to drag around all day, and you're oh, just yeah. like doing yep. the math in your head if you're going to do it. You know, like <laughs> if I was at my house, if I was at my comic shop, I would definitely get that for that price. And then you finally have to go like, all right, I'm going to get it, and I'm yep. just going <laughs> to. Have my shoulder hurt tonight. And you have this internal dialogue with yourself where you're trying to convince yourself, like, it's just not a good idea to get it right now. Oh, yes, yes, you're right. Uh, logistically, it would be a nightmare to get that home. And you end up leaving with it anyway. So it's like, yeah, yeah save yourself the time. Yeah. <sighs> Sir Dap. Um, I don't. Uh, my Well, one of the very first conventions I went to... Um, was at the Pennsylvania, and I was walking around, it was, and I saw one artist who had head sketches and and of X Men, and and I wasn't a huge X Men fan at the time. It was, it was weird. We had um, my aunt gave us a subscription, so I had a subscription to Amazing Spider Man. Um, my brother was getting the Incredible Hulk, um, and I think I also got X Men. And and it was, um, but I wasn't the world's biggest X Men fan. And I see this guy, and he's selling head sketches. He's not. I don't see him drawing any, but he's selling them. And and I uh, they were cheap. And and I asked my father for for a couple bucks. And so as I'm I'm walking around with them and I'm looking at them like I'm just inspecting. I'm like, yeah, but you know, I'm leaving leaving with some art. This is great. And the 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 they were like maybe maybe nine by twelves, but one was of Scott Summers. So it's wearing the the. the the sunglasses and and just you know no no outfit and there was one of um of logan and the artist had put um like vinyl lettering so this way you'd know who who the characters were um white vinyl lettering to match the white board and as I'm walking around with it and I'm inspecting it and, I'm looking, and, and everything feels raised and, and, and it's cool. And I'm like, I, you know, this is a unique and, and new and cool moment for me. And I guess as I'm walking by other artist tables and I stop and I look at an artist and I'm looking at other things on their wares. And, and one of the artists is there with a friend and asked if I can, if they could see, what it is I have. And, and I show them because I'm my, Hey, you know, I just bought this. It's great. It's, it's art. And I fucked up because the reason why I absolutely fell in love with this image 
of Scott Summers is because this artist I bought it from basically aped Paul Smith's Scott Summers. And, and so it wasn't a Paul Smith original. It wasn't, um, I don't even know if this guy actually drew it, but, but they basically, I mean, they schooled me and they, they, they were kind of didn't outright mock me, but I mean, they were just like, yeah, this, this, this dude, that's not dude who drew this. That's not, I mean, you got, basically they were telling me, no, I got ripped off. Um, but that still sticks with me and it, and, and I, I, did, I mean, I'm young. I didn't go back. I, was, I may have been 13. So I'm not like looking to cause a scene or get a refund or anything. It was, it was, it, I, it was a roller coaster. I, I was super high and, and then I came crashing down. But, um, every once in a while, I'm like, that fucking dick. Like, how are you going to fucking beat a convention? And, and so when I see, Dudes fucking on on the Facebook sketch groups and they're fucking they they're they're chameleons because they have like a million different art styles because all they're doing is light boxing other people's shit and it's like I can't I'm not maybe that's what started the whole making sure you know people get credit and the love of anchors and shit like that but I I I, I can't believe like some dudes sitting there at a convention taking advantage and I mean I'm not I'm not a grown ass man who like went in with my eyes open and it's like oh you get what you deserve I'm I'm, I'm a young fucking kid. And this dude's going to fucking pull that shit. I'm like, you just, you, you, just every once in a while, every once in a while. I think about what a dick that guy is. But um, that's, I remember the walking around because I also, my father wouldn't buy it for me because he fucking flipped through it. And I was like, God damn it. But I wanted, it was the first time I actually saw it out in the wild. I wanted the art of John Byrne with Raj running towards the brick wall and all the heroes scattered and and I was like, I want this. Can I get it? Can I get it? I, I, I need this. And he flips through it, and of course, Byrne draws some 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 naked chicks in there, and I'm and he's like, no, and he puts it down. Meanwhile, meanwhile, I can go home, and there's a stack of fucking Playboys in the bathroom. But no, I can't. I, I can't get this art of John Byrne. But uh, I was at the same con, and that's 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 one of my that's that's a con memory that that makes me smile and and takes me through a whole whole bunch of emotions yeah i still remember the room and getting to the room and just the, the like the 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 stupid wallpaper on on the on the walls like everything about the place i remember i'm yeah, sure i'm it sure it's changed now but you know i i can almost picture the carpet it wasn't a large and i remember going i had a i had work events when 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 i worked for computers and retail and i remember having a trade show at the hotel Pennsylvania, and I'm like, and and I and it just it brought back a whole bunch of memories. But I mean, I know that room, like I can close my eyes, and I yep. think the room is massive, but it was not a exactly very good room. right, right. Um, that newsstand that I used to go to as a kid is now converted to a gym. the The guy that King Joe was a bit of a, a man out of time. He was he he had this penchant for weightlifting. And he was in his late 80s and still lifting weights. Like the guy was now, not so much. He's, I think he's close to 90. So, I mean, you can only expect so much out of the guy. But yeah. up until a few years ago, he was, you know, in the papers all the time, like Joe Mandalaro lifting weights again. And he's in his 80s, like, woohoo, you know. <laughs> so they, they transitioned about 20 years ago. They transitioned the newsstand over to a, like a little makeshift gym. And, um, 
as they were bringing the things out, I was looking at the magazine racks and I'm like, those seemed like a whole lot bigger when I was younger. They're just, they were just regular racks. But when I was a kid, these things looked gigantic to me and, and, you know, sparkly, <laughs> if that makes sense. But now at the time I saw them, I was like, yeah, they're just big things of wood. That's it. You know, they're, they're not massive. I'm not looking at the monolith from 2001, <laughs> but back then it seemed like I was, you know, that spinner rack seemed like it was 20 feet tall. Yeah. There's something about being shorter too. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and like, yeah. and the stuff you're not supposed to have is on a higher rack, you know, like it feels even more, you know, forbidden. Yeah. Yes, well, yeah, he did yeah. that too. He would put the more adult magazines up on the top rack like yeah. lampoon was up there and those detective things and um he never ever shelved the playboy penthouse hustler we none of that was near the comics or the magazines they you had to, to buy those you had to go to the counter and he had them behind the counter you hold know. on what's we oh you the that's oh a, yeah. oh you are got it got it got it yeah um, but what I would do is I this is like regional porn I didn't know about. <laughs> I would look through, you know, the more adult magazines by taking a magazine from the bottom shelf and wrapping it around it, making Smart. it making it look like I was reading, you know, Marvel Treasury Edition, but inside of it was like spicy detective garbage, you know. So yeah. So what else do you have, Tony? Well, going off what David was talking about, did you guys? He said his dad wouldn't let him get the art of John Byrne. Did your folks ever throw anything out? Did they ever take objection to anything? Oh. It sounds like, Vince, your folks were very permissive. Like, they were just cool. Is that true? Um, Did you have to hide stuff? Yeah. Uh, I would sneak Vampirella and uh, the Marvel magazines into the house under my shirt. And I don't know what I did. I, I did something at school that pissed off my mom. So she took all my comics and magazines, put them in a bag, giant, giant shopping bag. And I was like, I was like, you're creasing them. What the, what, stop. Um, and she put them in her closet. So my, I guess my, my grounding period was over and she was giving them back to me. She looked at the top one and it was a Vampirella. And she's like, what is this? And she looked through it. And I mean, Vampirella wasn't explicit, but there was a fair amount of skin in it but the thing that really pissed her off was uh dracula lives there was a jamba sema story where um dracula's with this woman and she's trying to you know mac on him and she drops uh i think it's dracula lives number two or number three she she drops this toga and you don't see anything but it's a sexy ass jamba sema woman and you yeah. see that you see the curves and you see there's a, a panel of her dropping the 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 toga and then the next panel you can see in shadow the curves of her body and her breasts and everything my mother's like nope she took them and she put them in her cabinet in her wardrobe in the bedroom she's like you'll get those back in in a couple of years and i would go in when they weren't home and i would look through them and put them back exactly where she had them <laughs> and so she she accomplished nothing but at the time she thought she was protecting her boy i guess that's still very cool of her to not just toss that shit out. Oh, no. My mother never, ever threw comics out. Never. No. Because she knew what they meant to me. 
Yeah, I don't think my parents <laughs> had it quite figured out on that level. They would throw shit out, and it would just ruin me. Like, I was just like, you don't understand. This is my life, you know? Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> uh, the, because she saw firsthand the shit I would do for comics. Yeah. Um, you know, cut the grass, all these little house um you know uh honeydew lists that that you have as an adult i would do try and do all that stuff just to get a buck from yeah. you know and that, that i would spend it on comics and she i would go into my, like i was a very clean kid i my room was never a mess because of the fact i didn't want dust on my comics so i would cl- i would clean every week right and i would stack the comics on my dresser perfectly and she she'd come in she'd just shake her head like you're weird, you know, because what what young boy wants to clean his room? Yeah, I would just my, clean. Mine was I had siblings that were all younger, and so the big thing was just like, don't touch my comics, please. You're, I mean, you're welcome to read them with me there, but you're just gonna ruin them. I see what you do with your stuff, you know. Like, I don't want that happening with my stuff. Uh, yeah, I didn't have I, that problem. I'm an only child. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a whole struggle. My folks would throw out, they, but it was always, like, I couldn't make them understand that, like, I'm not jacking off to this, you know, like, <laughs> because it Oops. was the 90s and everything looked like it was, you're supposed to be jacking off to it, you know, like, and, and I there I, were I, all I, the porn parodies back then, too, sex track, yeah. I mean, everything was a porn parody. Yeah, it was all so sexy, and, uh, but I had a Catwoman comic, a Jim Ballant. Oh, God. My did. man. I didn't even, like, I did not read Catwoman on the regular, but uh, it was part of, like, some crossover, so I had to get the yeah, Catwoman part of it. It was Nightfall or Night something. And my, I came home. My dad was so goddamn dramatic. Like, I just came home, and he was standing there holding it, you know? Like, it's impossible that, like, we just linked up at that exact time. Like, he had to be sitting there waiting for me, like a weirdo. But he was just like, do you see what this is? And it was just like, I was like, yeah, it's Catwoman. You know, and, like, the the thing is, is I had porn, you know, like that was hidden away very safely. Right. Like I had, I like cut a hole in a wall and like covered it back. Like I was like a, uh, like a jewel thief with porn. Like I had it very well hidden away. And so I would just leave comics out. Cause why would I, like, it wasn't going to be objectionable at all. Uh, but he found that thing and he was just like, look how she's dressed. And then look at this hand. There's, she fell in the water. And then like at the end of the scene, like her hand pops out of the water. Like she's, she's alive, you know, like at the end of Carrie. And he was like, that <laughs> hand looks like a demon. And I was like, well, she has claws. <laughs> she's Catwoman. You know, he's like, it looks like a demon. And he took it and he threw it away. And it was so crushing. And it's not a good comic. But it was just like <laughs> that he didn't care. That Like I couldn't, you know, like I couldn't explain to him. I couldn't make them understand what it meant, you know, the comics are important, you know, like, you know, was my life different for not having that comic? No, but just having it taken away and thrown away like that. And I think just like shown the disrespect, right. which they, they generally were very supportive of like my, my artistic endeavors and like they would, you know, buy me cartooning classes and eventually they sent me to art school and stuff. So it was like, it's not like they were saying this isn't important or real, but to me, that's what it felt like. And it was just crushing. Did they know that you drew me in a topless, invisible woman? <laughs> Do my parents know that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think they mind at this point, but no, I did not. Well, I didn't tell them. It's a sure. thing of beauty. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I would bet that your father would think that I'm Damien. 
from the omen if he ever got a, a glimpse of my bedroom. I mean, I'm starting to think so. When I hear you describe stuff on the show, sometimes I'm just like, is he okay? Uh, I just love the weird. I I love the transgressive stuff. That's my thing. Me too. I like. I love horror, and I love. I mean, I love horror movies more than horror comics. You're hardcore on horror comics, but I think that is the generational thing too. Yeah. Because it was like all that great stuff was coming out right when it was your formative time. Yeah, it was the magic of my formative years. Yeah. Um, when you're a, a preteen boy and you open up a magazine and there's naked women in it and monsters, how how does that not brand you for life? I wonder because is I mean I don't feel like there's that now. Like I don't know what what is the like candy for teenage boys like monster magazines were for you and Image Comics were for me. But I I wonder if there's not that and if maybe that will just go some way towards fixing toxic masculinity like is, is this going to be an okay thing in the long run i don't know i don't know um, I, mean, I don't think you either you or i are too terribly toxic but i think that there, you know all that has something to do with it i would all yeah it's all mixed up like that yeah all those exploitation movies that i love so much yeah, yeah. that's they're pretty toxic but I, I i i can't defend them of course but God, I love them. Sure. Yeah. Harry Novak. Uh, so what else? We, we There's got to be a million more. A tap, your folks never threw anything out? No, no. Uh, I was like, it, between, my brother was the, my brother was the jock. He was the one who, um, he was, I, I, I think I'd say he was more protected. My, my father lived vicariously through my brother. My, my father, if, my my grandparents, his parents were strict, and uh, if his grades didn't warrant it, he didn't have the extracurricular activities. And um, because he couldn't go out for the teams, uh, he made sure my brother did regardless. I mean, my brother, he wasn't the best student. Um, he uh, He did well enough, but he was never after the grades he wasn't going to be um valedictorian he just he 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 did enough so that he could stay on the team and um and he he, he did a great job doing that because he was the uh the, the quarterback he centered for is is neilon green who ended up going to um play for the cfl and he he just my dad made sure my brother had everything he needed so sports were a priority. He'd he'd make sure you know he'd clear his schedule so you get him to practice and 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 it it worked out because my father um became a a umpire for uh for the little league in the town and and you know so he later on he got to actually be more involved and and he would be coach and things like that but um he always viewed me as as the artist between the two of us and. He he knew that um, you know I'd I'd read the comic strips. He'd come home with the Daily News. I'd read the strips, uh, the local paper. I he, he we had that connection, and um, he knew he would have liked. He, he we went to an open house for for Pratt. We we looked at some of the art schools maybe that I'd get into. Um, never happened, but 
he he knew where my interest lied and and when it came to comics he he may i don't think he was aware of of how much they cost at the time and it it may have it he knew that comics there there was a time where he thought maybe i had too many but he never i don't think he ever considered tossing them or 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 getting rid of them or, or doing anything to them to punish me um and I and, and and it ended up carrying over into years later because anything you know, we would watch it we weren't I wasn't living at home but when I finally watched Smallville that week we'd talk about that and and say you know now, now it's with Agents of Shield or whatever whenever there's we always we we had Star Wars we went to when we lived in Arizona because we lived in Yuma we actually did go driving out into the desert to see if any of the crew was still there when they were. Preparing, preparing and filming the the Sarlacc pit scene. So, you know, we we're, we're the sci-fi. He's the reason I'm I'm such a Star Trek mark. So there's there's he knew what what that what that that medium what that what that form meant to me. So, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't about to. Um, and plus, I don't think he'd want to piss his sister off because you know my aunt would show up with 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 a fucking huge ass shopping bag full of books and you know he's not going to just take them from her or take them from me after she gives them to me and and toss them so it's it's it wasn't it, it wouldn't have gotten like that but he um he may not have known what was always going on in the comics except like i said the, the one he decides to flip through but no he um he was he was fine with my hobby it, it, it knew that um he knew that my love for it wasn't um, wasn't going to set me down some some dark path, so he was fine. Right. I love it. That's beautiful. I could listen to you talking about your childhood all day long, basically. It sounds so great. <laughs> I don't know why. Just the way you, the way you present it, like, the whole thing just sounds... I just like I would watch like a Wonder Years about you just hanging out. Damn. Oh, but then you get the last episode? No. <laughs> Last episode of Wonder Years crushed me. God. Sure. I mean, last five minutes, really. Yes. I, yes. I heard this week that that wasn't even, uh, they didn't know they were canceled. So that, that ending was just like a tacked on thing. That's why it's like a voiceover. Oh, really? Well, I thought that was pretty perfect. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, um, I have w- one <laughs> that will never be repeated. It was my biggest score ever. And, uh, it's one of those magic uh, gets that you're just like, huh, right place at the right time. Uh, it was just when I first started driving. We have a, a flea market locally at a at a drive-in movie theater that uh, every Sunday they open at 7.30 till 4. And I started driving. I'm like, okay, I'm going to hit the flea market as I did every week since I started. Once I began driving, I, I went up myself and I'm walking around by myself because you don't take anybody else to the flea market because they don't understand the progression. <laughs> you know, one week you start from the top and work your way down snake like the other week. The next week you start from the bottom and work your way up snake like and you go through once very quickly to see everything. And then you go through again at a much slower pace to really get the bead on everything and see what you may have missed the first time around. Like I got it down. Right. So I'm, I'm walking through and I see this gigantic duffel bag 
like you know the the ones that military guys would bring their laundry just this gigantic like a cinch sack but a huge one maybe five feet tall you know with the straps on the end of it and i see a comic book hanging out of it so i go up to the guy and and i pull out a couple books and i see one in particular and i'm like hot damn and i go to the guy said how much for the comics and he said a quarter piece i said okay how much would you need for me to take this entire bag off your hands and he goes i don't know give me 20 bucks yeah so i put that 20 bucks in his hand i said thank you very much sir i i took the the bag down to my car put it in the back and i was out of there i didn't even finish the rest of the 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 market i said screw it i'm taking these home and i'm going through them at home x-men 95 96 97 there was no 94 unfortunately and no giant size x-men number one hulk 181 like i was pulling gold out of this bag uh the second overstreet price guide we're back when it was a little pamphlet instead of a square bound book like there were i must for that twenty dollars now oh geez if i were to total it we're talking just hulk 181 alone right which i have since sold but still dummy that i was i sold it but um that alone i mean there was amazings in there i have doubles of amazing spider-man like pre 100 that i pulled from that thing um fantastic fours just big big value books that i got for 20 bucks and we're talking maybe let me see i was i was born in 65 so i would say this was around 75 around 1981 right 82 around there it just it was a gold mine how much did you sell the 181 for uh, oh boy i don't it wasn't much maybe like 600 i sold it a while ago yeah during one of those periods where you're like fuck marvel i'm never reading another fucking marvel comic again <laughs> yeah you you say you like it's also me that, it's just you <laughs> i know i know <laughs> You have that period all the time. I do, uh, and and I have since rebought all those Hulks that I got rid of, but I don't have the scratch to rebuy one eighty one. But I'm okay because I have it in a reprint. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool with it. I am pretty just fine with reprints. I don't think there's any single issue books that I have that I'm just like I'm going to keep this forever. It's special to me. Uh, like my first comics, I still have in. I always mention this, that I have this shed with all my comics in it in the backyard. And I'm sure they're all ruined out there. Uh, but they're fine as long as I don't go open the shed and look. You know? Uh, but I'm so happy about reprints because everything that I love, I have, like, the the f- nicest, you know, most accessible, can go into a nice room in my house and just grab it off a shelf. And, I don't know. I love it. I, I, I'm not sentimental about that stuff for some reason. Although I'm not... I'm trying to think about what I am super sentimental about. I'm more about like experiences and people than I am about, you know, stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I'll go buy books on 
Wednesdays, and I used to be like bag them, board them, organize them, and now I basically have them for as long as it takes me to read them, or hopefully I read them all. And then every couple of years, I'll find some way to just get rid of them, and then keep the stuff that I, you know, that I get in collection. Hmm. Yeah, I'm more. You know, I'm not a conversationalist, right? So I'm more. I lean more towards the material than I do the experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm cer- certainly not like a a daredevil. Like Shannon, my wife, she loves experience like crazy. Like she likes to go do adventure shit. I'm I like an experience like you know go out to dinner or <laughs> go, like go to a convention or a signing or something like that. Are we talking like skydiving and stuff? She has been skydiving. Oh, stop! No, yeah. no, no, not no. for me. She no. wants to go swimming with sharks. She wants to be eaten by a shark. That's how she'd mm. like to go out. How about a Sicilian? but yeah that uh, once in a lifetime score there was a amazing 129 in there too which i already had going you know so now i have two now but still those are the things and again i can't tell you what you know i my my first day of college or the 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 day i proposed to my wife i can't i don't remember any of that stuff but i remember this guy's stand at the flea market right. I, I could tell you if I, if i go there this sunday i can tell you exactly where it was um it, you know it's, this is going to mean nothing to anyone but up in the back by the hill the bag was leaning on the lower part of the hill he was uh, you know i can describe the guy like it's insane how these isolated little moments just burn themselves into your brains our brains and it's i I, why can't i retain information on everything like this because you're in a heightened state this is something that really means something to you it it connects with you on on an almost spiritual level that just it it fires your senses and and you just every single thing just sinks right into you every facet of the event just pours right into your, your your brain i wish i could do that with everything yeah. I'd, be, I'd be chasing then <laughs> i'd be unfunny but i would be i'd, I'd have all my information lined up hey jason's funny okay he'll <laughs> <laughs> never hear this <laughs> no no he won't listen to this god bless him uh, i think I, uh oh, i'm sorry go ahead i i do get like I marvel at people that have total recall like that that can just remember everything about everything, and and usually they are super successful just because right. You know, like you have all that information, you might as well put it to good use. You know, how many times do you have to go back and reread an issue or two when you get the latest one? Yeah, constantly. Yeah, yeah. And and I, is that a product of our busy lives, or is it just us getting old? I don't know. I think so. I mean, also. There's so much more input going on, you know. I would have to sometimes go back and and look at stuff when I was a kid, and and back then I was just like obsessed with maybe like you know four comics, and now I read four comics in a day. Right. You know, the, back in the day I would read four comics that month or that week, you know, and then think about it all week long, and then when the next one came out, I'd just be like, oh, you know, you know, what's Cyclops going to do? What you know, what's happening? You know, like I knew where they left off and where it's going to pick up. And yeah, now I do have to go back and read the first ones or like read, you know, trade paperbacks of stuff that I have already read just to get up and running again to get back on track. Yeah, it's true. 
I'm rereading the Jason Aaron Star Wars right now just because I never finished it, and I was like, I got to go back to the beginning because I don't, you know, I don't remember what happened. What happened was John Cassidy drew it very bizarrely. Yes. Yeah, I came into it after he left. I mean, it's good. Like, Jason Aaron really knows how to write Star Wars, uh, but it does look strange sometimes. Yeah. Say no more. On the same page, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, you're good. He does Darth Vader weird, and then in the next panel, he looks normal. So it's just like, you just decide to reference this one, and before that, but then also I was like, is he trying to draw it like the old comics? I don't know. On a similar subject, Dap, did you get caught up on Daphne Byrne? Uh, No, no, no. I, I, I have it queued up. I'm ready to, but I have All right. I want you to pay particular attention I lo- I really like Kelly Jones, and and I have to defend him a lot in with, with Jason. Both Depp and I do. We defend Kelly Jones because Jason does not. He he's not plugged into Jones's style. Okay. Daphne Byrne. I read one to three. I swear the kid's face changes from panel to panel to panel. The mother's hairstyle. It's like he forgot what he drew in the previous panel. Like she'll have her hair in a bun or something, and you look at the next panel, and it's like it doesn't look like the hair's in a bun. And then the it's just so strange that he doesn't. There's like the consistency of the character modeling is not there. And I'm wondering, is he not enjoying? It? He's co-creator of the book, so he has to be enjoying it. Or is enthused about it on some level, but I, I'm going through the book and it's like, what the hell's going on here? The character seems like a different person in in almost every panel. Yeah, that's uh, some people are way more uh, in tune with details like that than others. Um, I'm definitely not. Like when I like right now, I'm working on Transformers um, in Transformers versus My Little Pony and from panel to panel or like when I did Star Wars the same thing like the droids from panel to panel they'll have like a different amount of you know like buttons on them or whatever the mm-hmm. like the little the little details on them they'll sort of switch around I definitely don't know how many like lines are in Optimus Prime's grill you know on its uh, you know where his abs are right. uh, or, or like his mask will change slightly from panel to panel uh, hairstyles I, de- I don't think I've ever done like it's a bun one panel it's not a bun the next panel that seems like you know, yeah, a little bit haphazard. But it might not be from not caring. It's just sort of like s- some people are way into the detail, and some people are more into the like the vibe of it. Right. Know? Well, I don't usually care about that kind of stuff. So if it comes to my attention, you know, it's right. got to be a little off, right? Like right. Dap is the one. You know, there's three ridges in the metal bumps on Wolverine's claws, and if there's not three, something's wrong. Like I like the fact that he can perceive on that level and if something's off like he's going to know about it immediately i i don't invest myself to that degree on most stuff so for this to to click with me and notice that it was a little bit off it must be a lot off like i can't wait till dap reads it because he's gonna i i know what he's gonna say but i'm just gonna wait for him to read it but um like one panel, her hair's winging out like she has little wings on on the her temples, and then the next panel, her hair's straight. It's 
it's it's not drastic where if you were playing concentration you know when right. you when you flip the cards you'd be like oh these two people, these two characters are totally different it's not that bad but it sways like there, there's a pretty pretty wide polarities going on with the way he represents these characters and i just wow i'm thinking i don't know what to think because i love the man's work and i'm i'm not i don't think i'm i'm um i'm not burning him at the stake for this it's just that i haven't seen him swing this far ever you tell me that when you get to it okay okay i've only been doing the the joe hill once i haven't done the other ones what did you think of the plunge? Uh, I didn't like it as much as I like Basketful of Heads. I don't like. I don't know if I'm going to keep going with it. I might wait and check it out and trade. Like the first issue, beautiful, obviously, but it didn't. Uh, the, the, I couldn't even remember what the hook was if there was one in the first issue. It was more just sort of like an eerie, like oh, there's going to be portents of doom, right? Like there's trouble coming. But you know, Basketful of Heads. I got to the end of the first one. I was like, oh, I know what this is going to be. I'm into it. You know. Right. Yeah. Different approach for the two books. You you mentioned My Little Ponies Transformers. Yeah. How do they? How how is the meeting between these two universes reconciled? Uh, well, the there's the space bridge. I mean, I don't want to spoil. It's not out yet, but <laughs> they have the space bridge that the Transformers use to to travel from Cybertron to Earth. Right. And. Uh, the ponies travel through portals in between dimensions and stuff. So uh, in classic crossover fashion, there's a, like a bit of a confluence of events and a little, uh, wacky, uh, mishap action. And so Ah. they end up all in the same place. The hardest part for me has been, uh, scale because the ponies, there's no people in my little pony in this generation of it. So, we don't ever know how big they are because their world could be, you know, regular size, like they could be the size of ponies, mm-hmm. or they could all fit on the, the head of a pin. They could be very tiny. Or they, I imagine that, like, when I think about them, when I'm drawing them, and I think about them, that they, <laughs> they're the size of, like, the little toys that you get in a blind bag or that you buy in a store. So they're little tiny ponies. And so I, that's how I like to think of it. So, like, if I came upon them having a big war, it would just look like a bunch of toys playing around in these tiny, you know. So, like, the little in My Little Pony is, like, uh, in bold for me. Like, that's it's my word. Yeah. little pony. Yeah. Uh, and so then drawing them with these Transformers, I've had to make them a little bit bigger than I think they are. Because otherwise they, they would just look like a little gnat, you know, flying around next to a, a semi-truck transformed into a robot. Right. That's got to be difficult. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been drawing them a lot smaller than I normally do because they they're in the same panel with these transformers. And then also, there's a lot of us drawing it. There's I'm doing two parts: the first part and the last part, like the setup, and then the big battle at the end. But then in between, there's another one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven, seven or eight parts. Uh, and they'll all be different artists, and we never got on like a conference call to talk about how big these guys are. So I assume it's going to be a little bit different from from story to story, you know, because it's sort of anthology style. Right. It's a it's so, a weekly, right? Yeah, yeah. It comes out every week in May. Hopefully, I have to really hustle nuts to get this one, this last one done, and it's big. It's big doing because it's a it's like the big battle at the end. It's definitely 
some real ambitious shit going on. It's the most fun I've had doing, you know, just like sort of setting up pages. You know, when you're a kid and you draw and you're, you're doing like a war scene, you know, and like, oh, there's a helicopter over there and it's like, Pew! and it shoots over these guys <laughs> over here. And they're like, ah! and then, you know, like this guy over here's got a sword. And it's basically I'm getting to do that for my job. But instead, it's like, oh, this little pony's got magic firing off, and then Optimus Prime's punching this guy over here. And it's like, I'm right now, today, I'm working on this big two page spread that's just like pony and transformer chaos. Uh, and it's super fun. Like, the first one was set up so it was a little more, like, it's cool, like, super cool looking, but it's it's not the big action payoff. You know, it's like the beginning of the Avengers versus the end of the Avengers. Right, right. Yeah, it it looked cool, I, and I noticed that they solicited them all at once. Yeah, yeah, because it's yeah. every week in May. So that's going to be cool when they yeah. when you get your your box and you yeah. got a, a complete story in there. Yeah, all of them. Cool. Yeah. Oh boy, I better hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, do we have any more before we bring this this bad boy home? I, I recently one of my most favorite. Uh, memories is uh, con related and um, for Tony aunt related because we got to take Gail around to um, well when she met Vince and I on the floor and then Jason caught up with us she got to meet uh, Chris formerly from Titan now with Eagle Moss but then we went downstairs and and, um, she met Donna Ford she met Gil Gil absolutely just blew me away with 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 when he got to meet her but i think you know her having having her kind of in at a con um and then having her with me surrounded by the things and people uh that and who make me happy and seeing her reaction to knowing finding out that she's been spoken about and, and um, is to blame for some of this um, is something I'm going to uh, stick with me for a long time. Nice. Yeah. Those are the good things. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I've taken my family to a few conventions lately because uh, sometimes they'll have like an extra, you know, like they'll buy two plane tickets and if Shannon won't, uh, like if she's at work or whatever, she can't go. I'll just have this extra one, and so I'll take like I've taken my sister to one and my niece to one, and I took my mom to a couple. Uh, and it's because it, when my mom first asked about it, she was like, "Well, I mean, you know, do you need help with these things? Can I go along to them? You know, she likes she has like a little apron that she made. She sewed it herself. Aww. It's got like My Little Pony on it, and she keeps like the square reader in there, and she keeps Splenda for my coffee, oh, and then she keeps the is. change in there. Yeah, she's just so sweet. But at first, when she said it, I was just like, "Ugh, mom, you can't come to the Comic Con," you know, like. <laughs> the total teenage boy reaction to it. And I was like, Oh wait, she's a person. I bet she would enjoy this. Uh, and it's been super fun, but also I don't see a lot of other people doing it. Uh, because like, I'll still do the regular like creator thing. Like we'll go out to dinner and stuff, but it'll just be like, you know, me, Jim, Ma food and my mom. And you know, <laughs> just like this table full of comic book people talking about comic stuff and then my mom just sort of sitting back taking it all in and she'll have questions sometimes but it's like it's just uh such a bizarre scene you know like the regular table of people you see at a comic convention and my mom as well oh 
Yeah, my daughter Mia is the only one who would ever want to go to a comic convention. The other ones, they, they couldn't be bothered. Maybe he doesn't want to go to Comic Con. Nope. <laughs> Bullshit. No, he. I, I'm being totally truthful. He has no interest in it whatsoever. Yeah. Huh. Yep. I even tried to swing him with the booth babes. You know, not that they do yeah. that a whole lot anymore, but there are some. Nah, doesn't want to go. Yeah, he's got the internet. You're not kidding. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode. We hope we alleviated some of your, uh, let's call it boredom. Why not? Uh, if you would like uh, to get in on the Patreon action, go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics and just uh, see what's up. Tony, I got something for you. I think you're going to love this in your travels. Uh, a lot of people are uh, homebound. This would be the perfect time to fire up the Amazon. This book is a hardcover. It is 270-some pages, full color, for thirteen ninety nine list price. It is published by RH Graphics, which is, I'm guessing, Random House. It's their Young Readers line. Written and drawn by Laura Netzker. It's called Bug Boys. And it is awesome. It's amazing. She builds this bug culture. It focuses on two beetles. Rhino Bee and Stag Bee. They're buddies. And they live together in a mushroom. Um, One of them is decidedly more intelligent than the other but rhino bee has a good heart and they're just so eager to experience the world they just love to explore love to go out and have adventures um the bug culture there's a in in bug town there's a giant chrysalis in the the middle of the town that um stag bee is kind of well not kind of he's far more religious than rhino bee but he doesn't know it's religion he says a lot of times he'll like to go to the chrysalis and just pray and stag bee or rhino bee's like why are you doing that it's what does that do and stag bee says you know it just makes me feel good so (laughs) rhino bee's like okay then then go do that but they go on a treasure hunt they um interact with a dome spider who happens to be the librarian at the the what is the largest repository of bug knowledge see what the bugs do is they they send emissaries into the giants world what giants are humans and they observe and they learn their language and they take everything that they've learned back and they make books and they put them in this bug library for all the bugs to learn about the outside world. It's nuts. It's crazy. There's um they love honey. And they have this deal with the this uh a bunch of bees that once a year they get a shipment of honey and they trade the bees for stuff, right? So in the year in which the story was written, they only get a little bit of honey. And Stag Bee's like, What's the deal? Like why 
is we getting like this meager little thing of honey and the beast is like well we're having some problems back at the 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 hive the the queen's real old and it's just not good so they go to the the bee uh colony and they talk to them and they find out that the bees have a problem with the termites and there was a war and that's why uh the actual uh bug colony they're all refugees because this war was gigantic and it 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 uh despoiled a lot of the land so they all had to move well the survivors and so they broker a deal for peace between the bees and the the termites it's insane and it's just because they're optimistic and they're um they're honest and they're, they just have good souls and they, they just tell, they save, um, a termite. Termite had a, uh, his leg was messed up, her leg. And so they, they carry the termite back to the, the termite hovel. And it turns out the, the termite that they saved was the daughter of the queen. And so the queen only listens to the little daughter. And on the way to the termite place, they're like, oh, yeah, the bees are okay. You know, they're, they're just people or they're just bugs like us. And they just want to be happy and eat their lunch out in the sun, sunshine like everybody else. And because the little termite heard these two, be- these two beetles talking like this, he went back and mimicked what he what she had heard to the queen. And then the queen goes back. It's like, yeah, this is bullshit between the bees and us. Why don't we just have fun? And, you know, and it's great. It's such a wholesome honest emotional little story and the drawing is just impeccable very clean line it's it's a little um who do i compare this to i don't know um it's got a adventure time mm-hmm. kind of edge to it a little bit um but it's flat color it's just gorgeous and you get a shit ton sorry i shouldn't be using that in an all readers uh book but you get a ton of comics. Your pull quote. Seriously, you get a ton of comics, a ton of stories. In the back of the book, there's how to draw both Beatles, Rhino B and um, Stag B. Then there's uh, some black and white bonus comics. There's a, a piece on Beetle facts, and then a Laura Netzker um, piece. It's just amazing. It's. Re- I ordered it on a whim because I saw the cover and I'm like, oh, those guys are cute, you know. The little portly um, rhino bee and stag bee has these two horns coming up. And they're just cute little fun bugs. And it's, I, I love it. I'm like, she's she's got a fan for life now. Hmm. Yeah, it is absolutely amazing. And it looks a little, like from the cover, I could see like yeah, your bean world, you know, poking up and being like, oh, give this a look, you know, like yeah. it looks a little bit in that lane. Well, it, as far as creating a... Uh, a mechanism of a society. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. lot like Bean World, but Larry's style is much more distilled down to the bare essence than than this. This is beautiful. She could they could easily turn this into an animated series. Looks like it must have been a webcomic or something maybe cuz the I'm looking at it on Amazon and the copyright is like 2010, 20 Yeah, she was 2011, 2012, 13, 14, 15 and then 2020. So I wonder if it was serialized somewhere and then she did publish it in black and white in single issues i i I don't want to say retrofit um some one of the the smaller uh joints she published through through them 
but uh, this is the first time it's all been colorized. There's a the color is great. Oh, it's amazing. There's a a dark section that you need to see to believe. It's just amazing. All the pages are black, and it it sticks out like a, a sore thumb because all the other pages are are you know clean line and white. But there's a darkness section that's just superb, amazing. There's a little Michael DeForge in here too. Not a, not nearly as grotesque, but um, and it's when I say young readers, it's not written down to a certain age level. I mean, they don't swear, but there's all ages is the better is the better word for it. Yeah, yeah. There there are some things in here that are like uh, they're describing you know war, and they show one beetle you know with his head cut off, but. One of the things that um, made me laugh really out loud was uh, the two Beatles have a fight. And so um, Stag B goes to sleep on the couch of the dome spider in the library. And Rhino B goes to sleep with a, a buddy, a, a dragonfly. And, you know, it was just a misunderstanding. They got heated and they, they all they left their, their mushroom. But when they're making up, these two bugs are like wow you guys are wimps look at you crying you bunch of jerks and they get into a fight and when um stagby is fighting this this other bug on the bottom of the panel it says down left up up down b a <laughs> and he does his finishing move on, it was great this is amazing. So, if I mean, if you're looking for something to do, you're home, you know, you get your work is done, you want to read some awesome comics, check out Bug Boys by Laura Netzger from RH Graphics. It, 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 Amazon discount, this thing is $13.99 list. Amazon's probably going to be, you're going to probably get this for 10 bucks or less. 10 bucks it is. It's so worth it. For this, this massive hardcover, it's great. And there's another one coming out in 2021. Yeah. Neat. Yeah, I wish I could do stuff like this. Uh like my stuff is like just a little more complicated than that. Like I and I'm I want to figure out how to distill it down to that level cuz I have so many stories that I want to tell and some of them I'm just like if I could do it simpler, you know, like this would fit better in, in a simpler style. And then you can do flat color like that and do interesting stuff like that. Yeah. There's a certain level of like detail that you get to where like if it's too flat like if you're de- too detailed, then you need to have blacks if you want to do flat color, or no blacks. You have to do more rendering. I don't know, it's a fucking it's a nightmare. It's a horrible balancing act. And you, <laughs> to, you, you just have to kill your children. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, you, I mean, you have to take that that awesome Tony Fleek style and and say, you know, you were good on my other um stuff, and now I'm just going to try something different. Don't, yeah. Just don't care. Just do it. Yeah, I think about how Scotty switched up his style, you know, in between X-Men and Oz and sort of got to that thing that's comfortable and just sort of like it feels like it just pours right out of him, you know? Yep. I, I think about that all the time. Like, what's that for me? But I think he was starting from a different place, you know? Like, I don't know. Uh, you have a ton I, of great books in you. I'd certainly sure, – I'm going to try and get them all out. That's what we're, That's what we're doing. We're going to help. Yeah. Uh, I was, I didn't get to read much this weekend. I, um, I'm in the process of catching up on things. So this way I can kind of just do a, 
uh, almost like a trade drop. Like I read the, I'm, I'm catching up on Ghost Spider, so I don't want to talk about that yet until I'm current, and then I can talk about the last few issues. But um, I did read Batman Beyond 40 and 41, which are the um, 42, I believe, ends this current arc. And, and we're still, um, it's, Batwoman has now um, taken over the suit because Terry McGinnis is missing. And Terry McGinnis also has amnesia because the last arc with false face took Terry's memories. Uh, we also find out in, in these issues who Batwoman's secret identity is. Uh, we also get an appearance by Dick Grayson, the former Nightwing. And um, because our villain is Blight and who uh, whose who's, uh, accomplice was his former lover who ends up befriending McGinnis and finds out that the person she's hanging out with who has amnesia is the son of the man that she and Blight set up and murdered. Um, it's going to be sweet irony when Blight takes over Terry's body and, and lives again uh, as a younger, more handsome person. And this way everybody wins except Terry. So uh, while preparing to wipe his mind completely so that Blight can then, uh, so the powers, Derek powers can then take over the body. She has to kind of reset Terry's memories uh, before she can do a clean wipe, because if something's hanging out back there, that might cause trouble for Derek later. So when she does that, that gives us that 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 brings Terry's memories back, and uh, and Batwoman swoops in to save the day, and she realizes that uh, Blight being back means there's going to be trouble for Bruce Wayne, so she has to um, protect Bruce Wayne, and. That's where the issue ends with Blight realizing that um, if I'm going to die because my time is at an end and that's he, he needed Terry's body uh, sooner rather than later, uh, then then he's just going to take out Wayne and whoever else gets in his way. So I guess there'll be a final showdown next month. But uh, I, I've really been enjoying what, what Jurgens is doing with, with the character, with this corner of the DC universe, the, the Sean Chen and Sean Parsons art. Uh, colored by uh, Chris Sotomayor is fine. It, it's I'm partial to the previous arc, which was of course by Rick Leonardi and, and Andy Parks. But this uh, this works. Everybody, you know, you're not. There's nothing confusing. It it they know how to tell a sequential story. Um, it's just been a. Um, it, it it it's been. It, Somewhat exciting seeing, because I've been wondering how, if, if, but how Terry's going to get his memories back. Um, it was a pretty easy fix, apparently, thanks to Blight being in the picture. But yeah, there was there's there was a little bit, there was a bit of drama, especially with you know who's this, who Batwoman could be because um, Bruce thought it may have been Barbara, uh, who's the current commissioner, but but she's she claims she's she's much too old to put on a suit and go prancing around again. And um, Terry's brother thought it was uh, the former ten from the Royal Flesh Gang, and and she both they both uh, denied it. And while they're denying it, um, Batwoman had was was caught on camera because she was uh, 
thwarting another um, plot. So yeah, it's it's been I've, I've really surprisingly, but but happily, been enjoying Batman Beyond. So in your travels, wait for this last issue to come out so you can get the trade. But uh, yeah, when when you see what what Jergens, when you get a chance, if you get a chance, check out what Jergens and company have been doing on Batman Beyond. I've got two. Uh, one I just sort of cracked into a little bit. Haven't really got too far into because it just showed up last night. Uh, and that is Transformers the Manga Volume 1 from Viz Comics. Uh, story by Masumi Kaneda and art by Ban Megami. Uh, and it's from the 1980s Transformers manga. And it's uh, exactly what you would imagine it is. It's just super energetic Transformers just ripping into each other. And it's got little uh, Spike uh, as just this uh, speed racer looking kid cheering them on every which way. It's super cool looking. Uh, It's hardcover. It's regular manga format, you know, where there's a couple color pages that fade out into black and white and then lead you into uh, just black and white robo mayhem uh super awesome and came around just at the right time like i said earlier i'm drawing uh transformer mayhem myself right now so this is uh couldn't have come at a more perfect time that's so uh definitely inspiring it's killing me that this thing is out already because we pre-ordered this mm-hmm. two oh, months doesn't come out till the end of the month uh i probably won't get it till next month yeah, yeah. the second volume is solicited in this month's previews yeah, I'm, I might have to get it too. I thought I, when I got it, I was like, "I'll get this," because if I'm being honest, like I don't know if I'll end up reading the whole thing, but I can pour over it forever. Um, and so when I got this one, I was like, "I'll probably only need just the first one." And then looking at it, I'm like, "Oh, I'm probably gonna have to get that other one too." I got to see what else they do. Yeah, it's just super fun to look at. There's super, a super diamond exclusive cover that was offered last month. But the first volume was offered two months ago. So we should be getting it soon. But it's that old, um, you know, this may be available at retail outlets quicker than, you know, you're yeah. going to get it through your comic book stuff. And it's like, ah, oh, you're killing me. Yeah, I, got I it want it. Yeah, it's thick as a brick too, right? It's, it's Yeah, it's several volumes. I didn't know it was coming out, so I just saw it, it existed and ordered it right away because uh, cause it was so cool looking and it's a nice package too like it's got uh, in the back it's got a bunch of color pages that are sort of like illustrations and stuff from around that time from the same guys you know so it'd be like if they had advertisements and TV guide that were drawn by those guys that's in there and just sort of like figure illustrations and toy illustrations and stuff like that so it's it's pretty comprehensive it's pretty great uh, but my the one I've read uh, that I'm recommending uh, is by friend of the show, Kelly Thompson. Uh, art by Jen St. Ange. Colors by Triona Farrell. And letters by Ariana Maher. It's uh, Dynamite's Nancy Drew, The Palace of Wisdom. Uh, continuing my trend of just uh, recommending books that are about teenage girls on this show. Uh, this is Nancy Drew, uh, but sort of by way of... I don't know if you guys saw that show, Search Party, that was on TBS... Um, but it's like fun youngsters getting into mysteries. Uh, and Nancy Drew's got this team. She sort of has to go back to her hometown and run into these 
kids that she used to go solve mysteries with. So she's like an older teenager now. Oh, you did? This is great. Yeah, I I may have mentioned it on the show or I just briefly, but yeah, this was great. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I'm I'm one issue from the end. I was like racing to try and finish it before I got on with you guys because I was like, oh, we're going to talk about this. And then when you guys were like, oh, we're not going to talk about comics, I was like, oh, no. Uh, But like all the characters are super well formed. Um, she goes back to her hometown and meets up with these kids that she was friends with when they were like, you know, seven years old. And now they're all like 15, 16 years old. Um, and they all solve mysteries together when they were little kids and the Hardy boys are in it too. And she's got her friend Bess and, uh, Bess's sister, George and George has a girlfriend. Uh, and, uh, they just get into adventures together. But, like, the artwork, I love this uh, Jen St. Ange. I follow her. Like, if she draws something, usually I'll pick it up because she does characters, like, exact. Like, there's a lot of people where, like, if I could draw any sort of way, I would draw like that. And she's one of those people, like, uh, just the way she draws characters and acting is so great. Uh, and, like, every time, you know, like, you read a thing, and if it's a joke or somebody says something snide, the face matches, like, perfectly yes. for the emotion. It's super, super good. Uh, but this is just funny, and, like, it moves really fast, uh, and it's emotional, and, uh, like, so far, it's been super good. Now, the last issue could be horrible, and uh, I'll I'll send a... I'll go on the Facebook group or the Patreon and let everybody know to, to cancel that. <laughs> but, Zap, you're, you're giving it a thumbs up the whole way through, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I'm kind of bummed because this is the only one, I think. Although, yeah, because the, 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 now in this month's previews, there's a Nancy Drew and, and Hardy Boys. It's a different creative team. Um, so I don't know if it's, if it's its own thing, if it picks up from any of the threads from this. Uh, but no, I, 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 I thought it was a, um, that was a solid, solid mystery, uh, considering who it's catered to and, and, and the style it's in. Um, it may be long for an Encyclopedia Brown comic, though. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what it made me do was when I realized there weren't any more, I went and one-clicked the uh, uh, the Hawkeye comic uh, that Kelly did. Oh, okay. I had, I had read Kate. a few of them. Yeah. yeah. And I liked it when I was reading it, but I, I don't think I even finished the first arc. So I, I they put out one of those little small size, yep. like uh, aimed towards younger readers collections that has the whole thing. Uh, and so I just one click that thing because I'm like, I want to read more of her mysteries. So uh, Nancy Drew, The Palace of Wisdom from Dynamite by Kelly Thompson and Jen St. Ange. That's my recommendation. Very nice. All right, gentlemen. It was fun. Listen, stay inside, everybody. Don't go out to eat. (laughs) Like, we've been training for this our whole lives. You've got piles of Regina. Stay indoors. Read. If you must go out, go to a drive-thru, but keep your window up. You know, like, this is not a time to to enjoy not having to wait online to get in someplace. Right, yeah. Oh, finally. Finally, I get into my favorite restaurant. It's, it's, I mean, not only have we been preparing for this because we have plenty of things to keep us occupied in our homes, but we've been preparing for this because based on those stories we have in our homes, we know how this shit happens, how it spreads, who's safe, who to avoid. It's like, dude, this is, this is, you are acting out a, a familiar story. We, we, you know, whether it's, it's World War Z or anything, just, you know, if, if you always don't be the idiot that you're always yelling at in the movie, don't be an idiot. 
just don't go there. Don't split up. Yeah. Right. Just I feel like out. I've been not going out for my whole life just as, as training for this. Like yes. <laughs> I've been on the vanguard of this my whole life, and now I can finally be an example to people. <laughs> I'm a champion. Yeah, hopefully. Stay home. Read your comics. Yeah, if for no other reason, then you'll help Jason not to have a stroke. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to keep the curve underneath that line. I don't understand it all exactly. Flatten the curve, yeah. people. Flatten that curve out. Stay indoors. Jesus. Make some pasta out of your cupboard. Come on. <laughs> your, your cupboard. You got to be around <laughs> to read My Little Pony Transformers. Yeah, you got to survive until May at the very least. <laughs> if any of you happen to be in your 80s. Let's That's our target audience. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vince brings out the reel to reel, takes it to the uh, to the VFW, and we're all good. Yeah, I mean, they got smartphones. I've seen. <laughs> yes, Peaceful does have smartphones. Yeah. All right, there you go, people. If you would like to experience more of the eleven o'clock thing uh, outside of the podcast, you can go to Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, and Instagram. We're there frequently uh and also remember the patreon patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics as always mr fleets it was a absolute pleasure always a treat i i hope to come back soon i want to come back when jason's better uh i mean when the world's better and jason's doing better because uh, i have 11 questions ready to go oh but i don't i don't feel like i want to experience that without the full team you know yeah he'll no nah, sure. that's a good idea yeah, yeah. respect yeah Max Beckman, Max Beckman was like, what I'd like for you to do is a, a after show where you just ask the questions. Uh, and I was like, could we call it like 1 a.m. comics? Where <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I come on after and just ask my questions about their life, about Vince's wife and shit. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Vince, tell us more about the old soap bucket trick. <laughs> my hands are very soapy. Could you please do me a favor? I gotta pee really bad. Real bad. I'm I'm about to go in my pants. What right. time in my life? Yeah, right. you're not kidding. Yeah, much more innocent time. But hey, dear penthouse four. <laughs> Bye, people. Come back next. Oh, wait, wait. We're we're being <laughs> we're being we're being deficient here. My reason for being. Yeah, go to all those things I told you to, and in the meantime, uh say good night. I've been usurped. <laughs> David. Uh, I don't going to do it now. It wasn't that long, was it? Oh, yeah, because you said I'd been usurped. Oh, and that's, yeah, and that's right. Be, the, well, now it's been too long. No, he got it because he's timing it. He, he, yes. he gets yeah, it all the time. I have the big stop watch in the corner of the room, <laughs> and I just I have it on remote. So as soon as Vince says it, I I I, I hit the button. See, it's over. I just, I just and it's it's a it's a double screen. So this way, when I know when the second screen matches up with the first, then I can stop. The, you the, have the, to the, take the issues. You you say nigh. You don't say good anymore. What's the point of of recreating? Because I don't know. I'm just I'm just doing the pause. I I always thought it was just the pause. I'll I'll say goodnight, David. I just the I, joke I don't, is that you because, say goodnight, David. And that's right. He, Wait, I'll, there's a I, joke. Okay.
right, all right. No, I mean, <laughs> he's, yes, if I want to be, if if then then fine, I'll say the good night. I because he does the good, and then he either goes up and down, he swims it around with the night, and so I just I'm like, I don't want to mess with the whatever format you guys have going well, here. It's it's format. Format. I just think it's a little crazy. I, you know, I, I, because we all love creative criticism. We know that. You you created it so perfectly, except for just skip over saying good. It's crazy. (laughs) You're a pisser. It's it's like it's 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 like when you read a Bendis comic and it just says the hell. You don't have to always. You know it. It's in your mind. You you hear it. Exactly. You hear it. You know it's there. I don't want to ruin it, so it's just like. However you hear it in your head, then that's perfect. There you go. We did it. It's the first time that name has been mentioned in like four episodes. Is it really? I think so. You haven't talked yeah, about probably. Superman in a while. Well, well, and and trust me, I have in my finished pile, I have, um, well, I, I really don't feel like talking about action comics because of the art, but I have oh, Superman boy. villains, I have Leviathan Dawn, and, and, and actually Vince, I did... Before I read the two issues of Batman Beyond, I read this week's Young Justice, but I didn't want i i i want I wanted to give you a breather. Well, yeah, are you give talking him. about the John Romita Jr. art or the Kurds? Yes, Kurt, John Romita Jr. No, no shit, I'm not there yet. I can't get through that fucking. The Kurtzansky, yeah, Kurtzansky, yeah. I know that was that was an abomination. No, it's everywhere. It's I know. I know you can't. If it's like, oh, thank God, I'll read the mutants. No, I can't. It's like you just. <laughs> I, you're right. Um, it's like the first Punisher comic I've not bought. The, um, uh, yeah, the 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 Superman, the Shield is smaller than when Siegel and, and Schuster were working on the character, <laughs> and um, and and I think he's. I, I think either either. Either Junior hasn't, or Klaus just had really dirty brushes. But I don't think someone hasn't been to a zoo because that did not look like Gorilla Grodd, and and Cheat is kind of rough. So it's just it's not it's not a pleasant to look at the story. This is some very incendiary talk. I can't believe you're saying this shit about Jeremy Junior. I'm gonna They're have to give it a hurt. look. It I just really have it hurts. sitting on my table, not having been cracked open yet. So now I'm going to look and see. You should. You should. Now he's taking a a, a different approach these days. Yes, and that's fine. And that's and but I, um, you know when I think when I, I have a certain, I have a certain vision, uh, when I and and this is a topic for a later day. But when I when I think of certain artists, um. There's just a certain era I I think of, and and for JRJR, it's it's that era uh, post 200 Amazing Spider-Man up to 250, before Secret Wars, and it's and that's I whether he's inked by Jim Mooney or it, it's just I love that version of Peter, which which hurt when he went to. Well, there's two reasons why it hurt. It it hurt when he took over less than half. It, before halfway through Uncanny X-Men 175, which was kicked off by Paul Smith. I was reading the X-Men right then because of mm. Paul Smith. And then Smith barely got a few pages in. And then Romita Jr. takes over. And that was not the same Romita Jr. that yeah. I was reading on Amazing Spider-Man. 
and then you know and there were other things like when he was I, I think when he came back to Spidey um and and, and before the JMS stuff but I mean he's there's just he is like Vince said he's, he's he's trying something different now and whether he's just having fun with the DC stuff and he's being loose and free and and that's fine but it's um when I hear JR JR I I have a certain expectation and and that's on me but it's still the story is still pretty cool because it's it's the whole Legion of Doom versus Superman and the rest of his friends and it's it's and there's a there's a Young Justice tie in in the recent action comics because Young Justice shows up at Hall of Justice because um it's it's the first time in this version in this timeline that Connor Kent and Superman meet and and this Superman um it's because everything's happening so quickly they can't really sit down and, and have a conversation but um superman has no idea who this kid is so yeah so i'm looking forward to that and then in the um in the young justice issue the dr glory from star labs who's causing the whole team this all, all this ajita she um she threatened them at the end of this issue um if if they let her go she will explain to them next issue why they don't remember what happened to them that caused them to have this blank space so uh bendis will explain that soon interesting yeah my prime john Romita jr is like no tenty daredevil yeah th- through like i mean shit he, he was inked by one of the greats yeah that, like that era through like the, uh, the Frank Miller Daredevil that he did. Oh, the uh, Man Without Fear. Man Without Fear, and yeah. and then and then right in the middle there's a Cable, that two issue Cable, Blood and Iron or Blood. Yes. And Iron. Yeah. Great standouts. Because they all right, let's are. Get out of here. All right, yeah, let's do this. All right, everybody, thank you. We did it. We're gone. Say good night, gentlemen. Good night, everybody. Lady, y'all. <laughs>